0: into the fire run. <laughs> run.
1: Hello and welcome to episode 20 of Out of the Frying Pan, a Middle-earth strategy battle game podcast that recommends adding a grouse shooting round to events to allow up to 30 people. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Be niche. Oof, oof, That's what happens when you have to think of something up on the fly, because neither of us have thought of an intro to the show. Dangerous, <laughs> dangerous. Off,
2: We have a lengthy political conversation before we start the show, that's what that is. <laughs>
1: Apologies mm-hmm. to uh, people, that was only meant light-heartedly, so please no one be offended by uh, us bringing up... Uh, politics because that's against the rules talking about politics and shows like this but we've broken those rules in a very specific and limited way <laughs> oh there's another one there um, <laughs> just doubling down aren't you? <laughs> you're you all in a few people in the uk won't get what we're on about then. but we'll move on we'll move on swiftly how are you dan you're all right
2: <laughs> yeah not bad tired more than anything else uh still busy busy at work which is nice but it means i'm knackered how about yourself
1: Yeah, yeah, fine, fine, busy, yeah, very busy with work at the moment, got quite big commissions on, it's quite hard squeezing it all in, but uh, um, had a busy... Anything interesting
2: to the community for the Lord of the Rings? Not for Lord of
1: the Rings, no, for those that do like a bit of 30k and doing a very, very, very large sort of two-part... Iron Hands Army, we? but uh, we'll we'll talk about that offline because that won't interest many people here. And those that do like that kind of stuff, when I finish it, all pictures will go up in my uh, Miniature Realms Instagram anyway, so they can always uh, always go and have a have a look there at the the non Earth stuff that I paint. But um, no, so let's 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 talk about what we got coming up on the show, and then we can uh, then we can get onto it really. So we have. Um, For our main segment today, we have a very, very special guest. We have Mr. Matt Davies of uh, um, Throne of Skulls um, board display, winning in latest White Dwarf fame of um, Generation Generation Shift shift fame. Um, So uh, we had a really good chat with him... Over a week ago now, we've been putting shows out too quickly, so we've we've sat on the interview for for a week or so. Um, but we've got him coming up for the Council of Elrond. Um, we have another heroic death match coming up, um, the final in our kind of three part mini narrative kind of grouping. Um, and then obviously after the break, we have our usual many meetings where Dan and I sort of chew the fat and talk about what we've been up to recently. So without further ado, we'll take. A little break now and come back with that.
0: Incom Gaming, the new centre for tabletop wargaming in Gloucestershire. Visit incomgaming.co.uk for great savings on pre-orders and all your hobby
3: needs. We stock many gaming systems and hobby accessories and can ship to anywhere in the
0: UK market-leading gaming mats from gamemats.eu. Visit the store and check out how to turn your tabletop into a battlefield. Incom Gaming is based in the centre of Cheltenham and offers tables and scenery for casual and organised play with a fully licensed bar. Check out our events page for upcoming events where everyone is welcome. Visit IncomGaming.co.uk. Incom Gaming. Come game, shop, drink.
1: And we're here. We're here for another many beatings. So, Dan, what have you been up to since we last recorded?
2: Well, my um, overall progress on the majority of hobby stuff, obviously, has uh, now I've been filling my days with work. I've <laughs> not been getting quite as much hobby done. But really, that's getting back to well, being an adult and, uh, you know, the, the, the more natural order of things. So these things do happen to us all. And in its own way, it is a very good thing. But I have still managed to get some painting done. Um, I painted my Keeper of the Dungeons. You have. I right. have even posted it in some of the social media. I've put it on Instagram.
0: He's awesome. Uh, really
2: cool. Thank you. Uh, he's gone. He's been pretty cool. I've obviously been working on him since he came out. Uh, almost finished him during the battle streams uh, in Middle Earth live stream on Friday, but my eyes broke, so I had to finish him <laughs> on Saturday. Uh, but he's done. He was good fun. Obviously, aforementioned streams uh, live stream. That was really good fun to watch. Uh, all the AMR shenanigans. Um, I am, seem to be one of the only people on the planet who didn't buy one. Uh, but okay. not, not that there's anything wrong with that particular model. I think he's an amazing, you amazing just, You sculpt, just don't but, need it, uh, do
1: you? You're not, you're not like... We were talking about this a little bit offline, that I've got plans to have a playable army for most of the... Armies in the game, at least one of the ones, most of the ones that have appeared in the films. In fact, I've talked about it on the show, but you're not, that's not your goal for for this as well. So there'd be little point in you picking up AMO unless you wanted to paint pay for a display model at the moment.
2: Pretty much. Um, I, I think if Middle Earth was the only thing I was doing, yes, yeah, that you know, I might be more inclined to be more rounded and get everything the way you're intending. Yes. But I play. There's only one or two games that GW publishes that I don't play. Yeah. I don't play Age of Sigmar. Uh, and I think that's just about it. Oh, I don't do Aeronautica either. So, yeah, if I were to do that for each of those games, well, yeah, I'd be I'd be living in my car. In fact, i have sold my car. I'd be, I'd be, I'd be living in a, a shack made of game cases. So, yeah, as much as I you know, would like one of everything, you know, one every flavor. I don't think I can do that really, so I'm just going to uh, keep to the stuff that really, really catches my eye. Although um, Quest of the Ringbearer might, you know, bring me into something else. I do need to paint a fellowship at some point. I was saying that the other day. Um, and I've pretty much convinced myself that I need to do these orcs for our Helm's Deep game, which undoubtedly is going to turn into an army. Of course it is. <laughs> how these things happen, isn't it? So, you um... can't
1: not. Not when not when that plastic Sauron and dreamer model is so awesome. Well, there is that, but actually
2: the part I'm most interested in doing um for Isengard berserkers. is that is, yeah, there's many berserkers as humanly <laughs> possible. Entire army of berserkers. why on earth not. Um actually I can think of a few reasons why not. That much um of the Games Workshop resin, not the fine car uh resin. Yeah, I don't think I could tolerate doing that much of it. But um, you know, it's, it's fine for what it is, but I don't think I'm already painting sixty of the things. So no, I do like the old Helm's Deep style stuff, the more militaristic. Which unfortunately, Sauron, not Sauron, Saruman and um, Grimer. it doesn't, it doesn't gel for me. Mm. This is where my own skewed version of um, narrative and 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 creating a theme does mean that I don't win games. Much like my penchant for choosing the underdog in. Uh, Deathmatch forces me to be the loser. <laughs> I think I know Besides where you come from. Your from then, microwave you? dice. <laughs> you don't. You
1: don't see them on the battlefield, do you? So like, I'm, I'm. No, I'm, I'm with you on that. I am with you on that. They're, they're beautiful models, and for me, that well, I, I bought them because I love them anyway. But it's. I am with you on that. I kind of yes, do they feel right on the? If I went to an event or something like that, they would seem to make sense to take. But yeah,
0: we're going to. It's as
2: much that. as I wouldn't run Sauron unless I was running Mordor, se- like for Second Age.
0: Yes. Yeah, because he
2: didn't ever take to the field in third age. I mean, even Peter Jackson thought that was a bad idea and scrapped it and put that uh, troll chieftain in instead. Yeah, so yeah, I couldn't do it. I mean, I appreciate he's hard as nails and it is a cool model. Um, although I felt bad taking a hacksaw to it, um, (laughs) but I, I just couldn't do it. Uh, you know, no problem with anyone who does, it's cool and everything, and there's a certain degree of what if, and that's always cool in war gaming, but. Yeah, much like I couldn't put Sauron in a Third Age Mordor army, I don't know if I'd feel comfortable running a, you know, Saruman with like the very force ranks of Helm's Deep style Uruks with all the pikes and stuff. Yeah. yeah. It, it doesn't feel right to me. Uh, maybe a mixed arms kind of thing where that he's accompanying his forces in the night and burning the Westfold, you know, when the... Yeah, before Open War, when there's talk of the White Wizard roaming and Uruk's uh, on the move and all that kind of stuff, an army themed around that period, yes.
1: That might, I was just going to say that that for me there were I, there, there were two sort of forms of of narrative there, um, and you've got your your fixed kind of narrative scenario style. It's happened in the book. It's happened in the film, mostly, probably, that you're trying to recreate something you've seen. Um, And then you've got the, what I would call, the kind of, we know this is probably happening or going on in the wider context type narrative. And and that's where, I I suppose there was some chat about... um, the heroic tier changes in the rules and the the, the pre the FAQ one to last weren't they that was, was stopping people doing certain builds that were kind of, would thematic but wouldn't necessarily have appeared in the film. But you know, you, you, why wouldn't you theoretically have a captain of Minas Tirith and a captain of Rohan leading a combined force and in, in, in some engagement? Um, I'd imagine that after the the battle at the at the Black Gate, there would have been other engagements as as. Um, forces went on to clear out or strongholds. There's so many things that you can imagine going on in a real world that would fall into the the narrative of of Middle earth but that weren't portrayed on the screen or, or in the book. So, oh, so rather yeah, than making be... stuff up that's kind of weird mixed timelines, that's not what I'm getting at, but I just mean the stuff that you know is happening. The the battles that happened weren't only the ones you saw on the screen. There's loads of stuff going on, including with oh. the factions that were that that we see in the films. And uh you can have kind of what I would say is thematic and realistic, and and things you know would have happened. I don't, we don't know whether Saraman ever went out and and actually joined in or, or was gen, general, you know, used any generalship for those kind of engagements. But you know, why not? Why not pretend he didn't? It's not, it's not impossible. So I'm, I'm with you on that. That would make sense to me as well.
2: Yeah, I, I think um, there would, would be a way for me to incorporate him, but not in. Not with the model set I'm planning on buying in order to facilitate Helm's yeah. Deep. It would require a larger collection, which I'm sure makes you laugh. But uh, <laughs> it's you know, uh-huh, yeah, I've got another one. Uh, yeah, yeah. But if we're talking theoreticals, th- yeah. the one era I want to play would be Erebor in yeah. the Lord of the Rings era when they were fighting the Easterlings along with Dale. Yeah, that that would that's be, the one
1: that would be really that, cool. That would be really,
2: really yeah, cool. old Dane, chicken ass. That would be would
1: be incredible. I would definitely like yes. to see
2: that. So that would be, but, you know, within the realms of what we're doing, to- totally um, up for doing some big old blocks of phalanxes of pikes and <laughs> that kind of thing. I think that's what I'll be doing as well, just literally just blokes with pikes, blokes with shields, and, and it's not really a sword, is it? It's a sharp and blooming um, straight edge, really, isn't it? <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's um, a big old lump of metal with, with an edge on it, and then berserkers and, you know... I don't know. I might. Um, I is the uh, battering ram on the MTO? Um,
1: I can't remember. I yes, Maybe yes, if that comes yes, up, yes, I'll get that. I've got one. I've got one. On, I bought one for. Um, I found on eBay, a metal one, quite reasonable actually. It was on a. It was a. It's an eBay rescue. It was uh, glued to a. Uh, remember the old fantasy battle movement trays, the smaller square ones um, that would only hold ten. Twenty mil bases? I think it was ten or fifteen maybe. I can't remember. They were quite small. Um oh, the, the ones the you put handgunners on. Yes. The open backed ones yeah. rather than the ones you build yeah, yeah. yourself. And it was a green plastic one as well. So that was it was, it was old. But they'd made that into some kind of I don't know, big base for it, and it was quite I'm, saying I'm being really horrible about someone's it, hobby. That's it' just let's just say it wasn't the way I needed it. <laughs> um so i that needs to go in in, the, in a in a pot to strip. But um I've I've got one. Um We'll have to see how many we need for the for the scenario. Um, interestingly, while we're, while we're here, um, um, Damien's been giving us some help for the Helms Deep scenario because we didn't realise that he'd played a massive game of, of of Helms Deep himself back in when did he? When was the year two thousand and twelve? I want to say. Fourteen was it? Two thousand and fourteen, maybe. He's sent sent all the stuff anyway. He he sent us his scenario and the battle report, write up, and all the photos, which in the GBHL as well. And and, uh, looking at the scenario he did, he's got some of the answers to some of the some of the questions that brought up in our Helms Deep show. And And we're going to
2: flagrantly steal it.
1: Absolutely, (laughs) we really, really are. Um, And I think they only had one battering ram. That was the idea they have one as input a film, so so to speak. So we may only need one. But um so I don't know if that changes your your per- oh, purpose. I I if you want one, you you you, you go ahead. You go ahead. Uh, I can't wait to paint my Eyes and God either. I'm looking forward to painting them far more than I am the, the Rohan. The Rohan are gonna be much more fiddly and not so fun to paint as much as I'm I'll probably end up using the Rohan more once they're done. Um in fact I w I won't be using all these foot foot Rohan will I be using I'll be using the, the, the mounted forces much smaller, but i will probably play more games with, with Rohan than I will Isengard, but I'm far by far looking forward to painting the Isengard side of this big game second. So.
0: Well,
2: I don't know, if we do more of the narrative stuff uh, going forward and, you know, take the idea further of doing a bit of, you know, playing like Mr. Troke, etc., playing over you know, Skype or whatever. You won't be able to do sort of you know, the Fords of Ice and things like that.
1: Yes, I see. Well, we're planning on doing something anyway soon, aren't we? So um, mm. and we'll come on to that. I'll, I'll, let's talk about that when I talk about what I've been doing. and I'll let you go back to your... your. I've interrupted you a lot. No, to- I
0: mean, well,
2: it's, it's a good thing because it's, it's pretty woeful, really. Um, I did receive some bases from from Matt. So, obviously, we record, obviously, as you said, we recorded our interview with him last week and I, I have ordered and received some uh, bases for my dog will do stuff in the meantime. Uh, as always... Fantastic stuff. So I'd recommend anyone to check out Generation Shift ninety two. He's on on Facebook. Get involved. He does some really good stuff. Uh, so they're there to be done. Um, the display board for Dogwood is planned out, pretty much down to measurements. So I can begin with that very soon. Uh, and some of the conversation we had with Matt has answered a few of the internal questions I perhaps haven't asked uh, out loud, but it's answered a few questions I had. Yeah, interesting. It's so interesting. I can push that a bit further um particularly he's talking about the way he sculpts bits and pieces which obviously people will be able to listen to in a bit very interesting Mm -hmm. so yeah that's pretty much what i've been up to um there have been other releases for other game systems that have occurred something i've been waiting for for a long time (laughs) arrived over the weekend Um,
1: expensive black book by any chance
2: yes that, that black book i've waited a long time for um but we won't bore people to death with no. that here. They're here to listen to about Hobbits, not about
1: power armour. First time so, I've not bought one of those on release for a very, very long time.
2: It is the first <laughs> and only one I'll ever own.
1: Oh, because it's your armour you use. I've, uh,
2: yes, my Legion.
1: Uh, but um, I've, I've never been that bothered about that it before. I'm not playing at the moment, so I'm, uh,
0: I'm...
2: Well, for me, it was always the case I'd rather spend what is quite a considerable amount of money on more models to play with. Mm-hmm. If yep. you're talking the better part of 80 quid, that's a lot of models.
1: It, it, it certainly is. It certainly is.
2: Um, and I was never that bothered. And especially later on, there was no point going back when half the rules were defunct in them. I refused to pay at least 40 quid worth of pages <laughs> worth of stuff that was completely
1: useless. <laughs> I'm, I'm, the, you know. I, I like the ones that would well, you know we're talking about heresy. about the ones I've I've downgraded my hardbacks and bought the softback ones and used the extra funds to to purchase Middle Earth stuff because I like having the collection for all the law that's in there. And I will probably buy that the the softback version of that book when it does come out, which probably won't be for a year or so yet, if not more, because I I do like to read the law, but I can't see me playing that system at the moment or or in the foreseeable. <laughs> Yeah, for quite a while, probably. But anyway, that's not what we're here to talk about. No, um,
0: it's, it, it
2: has been a distraction mm. from all things Middler. And if I'm brutally honest, until um, I've got more of that board sorted, um, where I can put the bases in situ for where they're going to sit, Yeah, I can't paint the bases because I want it to be a smooth transition.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. Because
2: I'll be airbrushing and oiling uh, and all that yeah, kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, that's, that's a really down. good
1: point. So you are kind of a bit sort of stuck on that.
2: So yeah, so I need to buy some more models um but I do need to get paid again before that happens so and then gonna, I think that we your go
1: with I was gonna say you're gonna pick up the start of your eyes and guard. that's not a bad idea actually it's not keep the, uh, the the juices flowing on on that so to speak
2: well and then there's this this quest which we've now had a you know it's been announced um mm-hmm. we're gonna have a yes um so that's bound to get some bits and pieces going we had a conversation offline uh it was last night. I can't remember. The days are melding into each other. Um, I would quite like to paint a Fellowship, although I have more interest in painting a Thorins Company at the moment. If I'm honest, which sounds mad when it's, you know it's not quest of the. No, I, I think you. Company I is it? You,
1: I think you should do it and when we talk about what we might be doing to sort of fill the winter. And um, I think I, from a from a selfish personal point of view, and also from a, from uh, from us to gaming, I think you painting that might actually be better. But we'll we'll talk about how that might. Might work, I suppose, when we talk about how we're gonna how we're gonna try and game this winter. <laughs> yes, yes, uh, but um, yeah. Well, let let's. I suppose that's a bit. It's, it's kind of a nice segue into mine. What I've what I've been working on. So, and those people that have been, you know, a part of our social media would have seen that I started working on fellowship. So I think in the last show I was talking a little bit. It might end up being at the end of this show because I can't remember what we talked about with Matt and what was last show. So if it does feel like we're sort of out out of loop time-wise, it's because the show's been, show's been recorded that way. But um, So we're not going to be playing our big Helms Deep game probably this year now. Um, we were... Potentially looking to do it on the one of the days that, that Flotsam and Jetsam wasn't going to run, but with the recent sort of changes in COVID, even more, we've decided that we want to we want to try and do it maybe when things are a little bit more relaxed, Um so or when the weather's going to be nicer. Because the time we by the time we get to do it, it might be a little bit cold, so we are going to have to do it outside. Um, then we probably want to wait till the spring. I much prefer to a spring sunshine than a, than a, than a wintry, autumn-y, wintry sunshine. Um, so I'm still going to be doing the um, you know planning and painting all the Rohan and the Isengard for the Helmsteep thing. That's going to be a theme of my hobby probably for the next four to six months or so. And, and for you as well now with painting some, some Isengard for it. But in the meantime I, that opens up my opens up the door to me to painting some other stuff. And with I think we can safely assume even more now that Throne of Skulls will not be going ahead with the, the latest COVID restrictions in, in the UK. Um, now we have the rule of six, then uh, I think um, I think we I'd put quite a bit of money on Throne of Skulls not happening. So, it also means that I can move that um, Fangorn um, board. To next year's hobby plans um, I might start at this before Christmas because I'm really looking forward to doing it but uh, it's not going to be something I'm, I'm working on in the near future either so it kind of gives me some space and I want to do some stuff to game so I started painting the fellowship, um, you know, Quest of the Ringbearer on the way, there's no way that they're not going to be useful there's <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> just absolutely no way they're not going to be useful um, and we've decided that we're going to try and, and, and do, some, do some gaming without getting together because we're I mean we'd probably meet up covid secure kind of way with masks on and play a game if you live around the corner we you know we probably look to maybe try and do it in an airy room the door open or something if it was warm enough, but but it's a long we live sort of i don't know it's like th- three hours drive
2: i imagine or better two hours on, a, on a bad day yeah. yeah between two and three hours which are to the american listeners it's it's, probably the i know that's areas, nothing but,
1: but if we, we, we you know with covid in mind We'd probably meet for a game when we were with each other for 90 minutes, two hours, wearing masks and play our game and go. But when you spend a long time with someone, you kind of want to put them up for the night. We want to have a couple of drinks and stuff. And that then starts to feel a little bit less um, sensible. And that's just our opinions on it. You know, different people have different opinions on it, but that's just the way we want to manage it. So we're looking at other ways that we can we can game. And I think the ring bearer could be perfect we're assuming and we already know now there's going to be some narratives and lots of narrative scenarios and there's some of the names of them have been released or some of the themes of them um and a lot of these i imagine might be smaller style games so we thought well if um adam troke and and, and damien O'Byrne can do that game over webcam for um for the community article why can't we do some of these cool scenarios um, ourselves, um, and we're not going to live stream them, and that's not the plan. It's more for us so we can play, but of course, we can talk about them on the show. And what we can do then is talk about the narrative scenarios themselves and actually, you know, not just read the scenario and, and talk about it, we can actually, you know, give some proper feedback and, and say we enjoy this area because it worked like this. Um, and I think I mentioned on the last show that I'd ordered a weather top, hadn't I? Uh, yes, I mentioned so 3D printed weather top from um, 3D tabletop. Well, that's arrived. Um, so I think what the, the plan is at the moment. Is for me to get that painted by the third of October, and then the first day that Flock and Jetson would have been, you and I are going to be in our rooms, <laughs> hundred odd miles away from each other, playing a weather top scenario. Now I don't know where the weather tops in, um, in Quest of the Ringbearer. They've, they've at the names of the scenarios that they did mention in the kind of the advertising stuff they put out. It's not mentioned, um, but there are like twenty one scenarios, or is it twenty eight? I can't remember top of my head, I didn't make it, didn't write it down. It there's, would there's,
2: be remiss if there wasn't. I'd be surprised uh, if there wasn't. Scenarios but even if use. there's
1: not, we've got weather the top scenarios anyway in the journey books, and I'm sure it's covered in other books and stuff as well. So I don't think we're short of a scenario to play it, or we can make our own. So that's the plan. So I've painted already painted the four Hobbits, Aragorn and Gandalf, obviously we don't need Gandalf, um, of my Fellowship, and I have pictures up on the social media. So I've got the models to do it, I've already got the nine, and I won't need all of those either. Is it five or six that turn up at the top? Five, five. Well, so, four in the
2: uh, Witch King which usually, King, have, yeah.
1: but I believe was. So I've got the nine on foot painted already. So I've got the models to do it. So it's just a matter of doing painting the weather top board. And I imagine that you know, if I've got. I think I've even got a mouse pad mat um, that I ended up cutting at some point. So I've even got a two by two square, and that will be enough. I don't know how what size any any scenarios are, but I, that would just about hold the um the um, weather top and a bit of space around it. For that's probably big enough for us to play with a camera down. And I've got my video card so I can plug my four K camera in. I don't know what quality that will give you. Your end we can play around with that. But I think that we can we could play well and we can like take a turn each. Or if Sam's free as well, I can just games master it for you and you two can play it. We can um I think it'll be a bit fun. And it gets us playing a game and and then we thought, well, hang on, we could do this a lot. Let's let's try a lot of the smaller scenarios. Um I know Sam's got quite a lot of hobbits and he really wants to do some of the scouring of the shy stuff. So maybe he can use his webcam and, and host those games for us, those kind of things. So I think that's the plan for this winter anyway, isn't it? Just to try do lots of narrative scenarios, some of the smaller ones that we can do over the internet and um, have a bit of fun and then we can, you know, we'll talk about it on the show as and when it's relevant, but that's gonna be our our, our game in between us, anyway. Um, I'm really excited about it. It's really sad, but I haven't played a game for ages. Um, like, well, I think I might have had one game this year at the start of the year. All my focus was on prepping for Flotsman Jetsam. I kind of shut my own hobby off for the first quarter because it was just like, don't matter, I'll get out of the way. And then I'll spend the rest of the year doing my own gaming. And, of course, the world world fell apart. Yeah. Um, I'm
2: uh, so annoyed about that. I managed to have two nights down the club <laughs> and I played quite a few games but didn't get middle earth in. I'm so annoyed now.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't. I suppose, are your club? Um, are they going to close up again now? Is that the? Uh,
2: I don't know where the state of play is with it at the moment. Um, regardless of what they do, in light of the current situation, as has been discussed on the GBH or Facebook, and that it's regardless of whether the, we can get away with it or what yeah. the rules are, I don't. It's not something you personally, personally feel comfortable with doing it at the moment.
1: Yeah, I'm the same, and that's not that's not a dig at anyone who does want to go to, no. to, to games, just just the way it is. I think, I don't know what Incon Gaming are doing, I'm pretty sure that you can still book a table to meet up and play, and I know he has a space down, and I suppose that's essentially that's no different to booking for a restaurant, but um, uh, yeah, I, you know, I I wouldn't wouldn't have an issue with that, whether I do that personally or not, I don't know, to be honest with you I don't even got the time at the moment, but and I'm quite happy, as I said, to sit and play these games um, <laughs> via, via the web um, So, that very long, long, long tenuous link back to your Thorin's company, if you painted up a Thorin's company, um uh, yeah, the only problem is you'll have to need some you you need to paint up some stuff for them to fight. Um, <laughs> yeah, I see where yeah, this is going to um, yeah, so what I like you having money. Need, you know, it's nice. What you also need, uh, i just thought you could host some games of those. But yeah, I forget that you haven't got silly amounts of armies that I've got building up. Um, <laughs> well, they can fight as many iron heels as they like. Yeah. Also, if we're playing over the web, I don't have an issue with just blank bases for. Goblin Tank goblins or something like that. And if we're playing it, so we can play a game, wouldn't do that in a in a in a proper gaming situation. But when you're looking top down from a camera, anyway, let's uh, if it means we can play a game, I ain't got a problem with it.
2: Yeah, yeah, I think um, Uruk's first though.
1: I, yeah, I agree. I would I would push you towards the because because we need lots for our game. And talking to Damien, I'm to start thinking bigger now already. I don't know if you, you were, you've you gone down to that mindset already, but I was thinking oh, we could actually make it bigger. I,
2: I would like to say I've given it more thought, but I really haven't. So um, <laughs> I, I'm going to paint some Rooks and we'll see where we are. <laughs>
1: yeah,
2: I'm see
0: how thinking many I've got
1: more time now. We, more uh, uh, I must admit I was thinking, thinking that well, if we added your elves to my elves, how many more Rohan would we need um, to make that legal within the defence of Helm's Deep? Legion I don't have that warriors? many bows. Would be the problem. Uh, well, you know, you don't need, you don't need that many bows many... if you're adding them to mine. Um,
2: I've got four plus plus Haldir. Um, at the
1: moment. Uh, how many do you get in the box? Six oh, i I've got each, loads more. I can build more. No, cool. no. I mean, I've, I, what I mean is I've got. I've got enough anyway, so I just I was just thinking if we use both sets of elves, how many more Rohan foot would I need to purchase and paint in order to make the whole um, good side bigger? And then how many? What would the knock-on effect be for the amount of extra orcs we need? Uh, we will see. But um, it was just reading reading Damien's and his was bigger than ours. And ours it looks like a big game, but his was was much bigger. And he had like five hundred models on the table at some point. And I'm just thinking, we could potentially make it even bigger, but it just mean painting more Rohan for. That. Ugh, ugh, who knows? Um, but yeah, that's what I've been up to anyway. So I've um, I've, I've I've painted five of my fellowship, and Boromir's is half done. Um, so. And I've got the little circular display board, and I started some work on that as well, so I'm quite looking forward to doing that. It's been on my hobby goal. And I think it may, I think by painting Gandalf, I've got another box on the hobby bingo, because it's painting a new version of a model I already own. And I've already got a Gandalf painted for my Survivors of Lake Town, so I think I get that. I've, I've painted another um, keeper. You have. You see, you've got that box as well. Hey. And when I finish the fellowship, I'll have the good army as well. That's easily 600 points. And my I'll be,
2: I'll,
1: yeah. I'll I be, know, yeah. So we're ticking off the boxes. Um, I think we if we play this weather top game, I'm not gonna, I, I it, it probably wasn't my favorite um <laughs> scene from the films, but I don't have a favorite scene, so to speak. So I think as we're not able to go and game properly, where I think I'm comfortable ticking off. The recreate your favourite scene from the movies. If we play a few narrative scenarios, I think I'll be happy enough ticking. If there's an off. on Hens scenario, then I will be able to do my favourite scene. I really don't have a single favourite scene. I like so many different bits. I mean, that would Helms Deep was going to be the one that ticks that off. But if we work through some of the things in Quest, I'm going to be happy enough ticking them off. Especially as I can't, I'm not going to be able to tick off. Some of the other things now. When, you know, I'm not going to be playing the doubles game this year. It's just a box that's not going to be done. Um, I may not make a display board. Oh, naturally. You know, I'm not making a display board, Painting the fellowship one. That'll be a bit... So I won't be making one this year, at least not finish making one. I won't be entering a middle left gaming event. So there's going to be boxes that just won't won't get done. So I will... I think for a lot of us, though. <laughs> it's going to be the same for everyone, isn't it? But, um, I, But... So I'm going to take the ones that I can, even if it means I'm, I'm being vague on what my favourite scenarios are. Um, well, you and I have never played a game, so we'll get to tick that. <laughs> Death is that game. No, no, not, I think that would be very, Not very the way boring. you play it. <laughs> oh, you're not going to... Am I going to be allowed to use my dice? Or are you going to send me some No, I'm going to send, I'm I'm
0: going to send, send you dice. <laughs> oh, some me. special
2: ones I use for casinos where you can definitely make sure they're not fiddled with. <laughs>
0: Uh, so
1: we've already mentioned that the book's gone up for a pre-order. Um sorry, it hasn't gone up for pre-order. It's announced that the pre-order will go up on the Sunday, so it's Tuesday the 15th. Is it the 15th? That's where we're recording this. Yes, it is. Yes. So Tuesday the 15th. It's the f- the it was the Sunday that just gone that there was the, the announcement that the pre-order is going to go up on uh, the uh, the weekend so I will be pre-ordering so we've got just under two weeks now to wait for the wait for the book, I am very excited so um, we've had a few, there's been a few teasers haven't there, as there normally is so first of all we had a, a, little, a little teaser that shows the Anborn and, and Mablung special rules that, because um, they went up for pre-order on the weekend didn't they? I don't know if we mentioned that on the last show. No, we wouldn't have, would we? So they went no. out for the pre order themselves on Saturday, didn't they? And with that they've they've teased first of all their special rules and then a couple of days ago their full experimental rules have come out, which will obviously be in in the quest book anyway. Um and and I think the, the book now, they've teased a few more things about the book, haven't they? They've done a couple of articles on the book now sort of saying what's going to be in it and listed a few of the scenarios and name, scenario names. I think Farmer Maggot's Crop scenario is going to be in there. There's going to be lots of really cool, fun, small ones, isn't there? Which means maybe picking up the odd few character models and getting them painted up and playing the odd. If all you need is Farmer Maggot and those four hobbits to play Farmer Maggot's Crop scenario, then... Well, I'm clearly going to buy Farmer Maggot and um, Grip and Fang, aren't I? There's no way I'm going to be able to resist that. <laughs> that might even be so small that we can um, we can do that for a for a death match rather than a, rather than just a all game. But um, should we talk a little bit about Anborn and Mablung now that we actually have their full stats? We're not going to go talk about it for hours because there's no point when the full book's going to be coming out soon. But it's worth mentioning, don't you think? Absolutely. Have you got the rules in front of you? Oh, I have, you yes. Have. So they both have identical stat lines, and they're both 35 points. So they are move 6, fight 4-3, strength 4, defense 5, one attack, one wound, courage 4, and then one might, will, and fate. Um, they both come with armor, sword, and bow. Both come with heroic accuracy and woodland creature, and then it's the special rules that make them different. So, um, Anborn has lethal aim. So each turn, Anborn may spend a single point of might without reducing his store, even if he has none remaining, to modify either a to-hit roll and in the way, or a to-wound roll when shooting with his bow. I like that. That's it's does what it says on the tin, if, if that's uh, a simple way of describing it. I think. What do you think? I
2: think, in, I think in some ways, actually, it's better than Legolas's rules. <laughs> Can you imagine how brutal Legolas would be with that rule?
1: He would be rather brutal with that rule. Um, I mean, I suppose they're um, shoot three plus as well, so...
2: That's a have tid- given both of these models of 35 points.
1: It's the two-wound roll that's going to help, I think, a lot. Mm.
2: The only downside with these guys is they are only a single wound each.
1: Yes, and they're minor heroes. I didn't mention that. Um, yes, they are minor heroes. Um, and they're relatively cheap though. Um, I I
2: yeah. would rather pay fifty points and have a second wound.
1: Uh, who are they going to be? Well, let Let's talk about um, Madblung as well then. And then hmm. we'll talk about where they would fit in that that Legion, I suppose. Um so Mad Blung, um, as I said, he's got exactly the same stats that I read out, and then his special rule is a little bit different. It's probably the one that's called for more um uh, more people I wouldn't say complaining but questioning a little bit. So Berg calls. Um Magblung and any rangers of Gondor within six inches of him, including Faramir, Madraw, Damrod and Anborn, gain the stalk unseen special rule. Additionally, enemy models targeted by a shooting attack from Mablung or any rangers of Gondor within six inches of him, including Faramir Madrill, Damrod and Amble, do not benefit from the stork unseen special rule for the duration of the shooting attack. Um I think some of the comments has been obviously just makes him makes them better than elves when playing elves, doesn't it? Um Better than wood elves when playing wood elves, but it's cool. It's called model. It's one model. I don't know buffs. Well, buffs buffs can be quite, quite something yeah, in this but game he's if you use Quite them right. easy to kill. He is if you put him somewhere that um, people can get to him. I suppose with the, the the problem with shooting armies, isn't it, is that they they set back and you hide them and you use their buffs and they can be quite annoying to play against, especially if you don't have any missile troops. Um, I think I've not played with them. I've played one game. Have I played one? Yes, I have played one game against the Rangers army, and it is quite tough. Luckily that that player had lots and lots of normal Minas Tirth as well in there, but it's... It can be unfun, I suppose. It can be... It's one of the few things that maybe might give you a negative player experience in the game when you have... Well, not got covered, reput- I've not even seen it, but yeah. it does have a bit of a bogeyman reputation. It does, and sometimes sometimes those thing, the reputations things get in game actually are bigger than the problems themselves because on paper the problem is quite big but because you don't see it very often um, the reality of it is it's you know it's sometimes it's, it's irrelevant um, I've got all the stuff in a box ready to go it was going to be it was going to be one of my, my next projects actually after uh, after my survival late tank just because I really liked the look of it I really it I've got you know I've got Frodo and and Sam and Gollum and Faramir and all ready to go. Really like the look of the army, and I, to be the reason I haven't done it is just because other things came along. But the reputation the army got definitely has made me think. Well, if I did paint it and you have it and ready to go now, would I've been taken to events? I might not have because I do worry about things like that. I don't want to give people games that that aren't enjoyable because you're just shooting them off the table. So um, I don't know. I, I'm guessing we we should. Wait and see if they have changed the um, legendary legion in any way before we make any major assumptions about how they fit in there. They may not have. They might just might just be added in there. I suppose what the negative argument will be: it's a very very competitive legion anyway. That's just got better because it's got two more tools to add to the toolbox. Um,
2: it would make sense for them to have to address it because obviously um, these two models are for range of Athelion and they would not be named. In the existing ones, yes, yeah, you
1: never know. There may have been some balancing put in. Pretty sure that they've already said that it's gonna, you know, that it's in fact, it's in one of the articles that's come out the last couple of days to say the updated that they are in the updated list. Ah. And I'm sure the other day someone asked in one, I I think it was one of the Warcom threads, someone posted, Well, I can't use these because they're not in the Legion. Um, and I replied to the person, I I'm you know I think you could be confident that they're going to be in the next book and I'm sure Hammer TV replied under my of said yes the rules will be the rules will be there sort of thing so um, whether it's changed whether they're just straight added in there they could well be but I suppose it's worth before we go into a big conversation about that strength of that legion wait we'll and see, just in case something's changed. Maybe they well, points up I wouldn't have an awful
2: lot to add to that conversation, to be fair. Yeah. Um, I've never faced
1: it. I've only looked at the Legendary As Legion I've played, it, I've played it once. I um, bought some bottles to do it. I've looked at the Legion because it was something that attracted me thematically. I just love it. But um, yeah, until we either there are people out there more qualified um, on the tournament scene that really know the kind of the impact that that would have in terms of the match play um, side of things. Um, but I suppose regardless of match play or or playing in your local club for a pickup game or something. Um, all shooting armies can sometimes have a negative play experience if you just get shot off the table. Um, but it's how do you design them so they don't still keep to the theme. It's difficult, isn't it? Really difficult. And there will be ways to beat them. But I love them. I haven't pre ordered them because I that project is such a long way down the line, and they're clearly not going to go on off sale for any time soon. They're brand new Forge Wild sculpts, and they are stunning. Um, so I'm not, I'm not ordering them now. I've got no reason to. Um, and I know the temptation would be to drop them in the cart when I order the book, um, but I, I really don't need them, and it just be money I don't need to spend right now on them. But the models are stunning. But they would just sit in their box until Damien and, um, uh, and 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 <laughs> Steve. Make them the models to, to build for a battle streams thing or something like that, and then then they become tempting.
2: <laughs> be, be a rebel, paint something else. <laughs> yeah, I
1: I, do. I I I did last time. I did last time. Um, yeah, I think that's. I thought we want to discuss for now on those. We could uh, we could go into a really detailed conversation and uh, and not have all the facts. Uh, but I just say let's wait for the book because you never know. And I'm not saying that with any knowledge at all. I don't know, but it seems silly to have a discussion about whether they. Make the the legion more powerful when it looks like there will be, you know, an, an updated list. They might just be them added, but we will see. Um, and that's not long to wait. Absolutely, absolutely. I Really, really excited. It's of course, really strangely excited about this book more than I was for Moyn um, Rohan, and Gondor at War. I, I think it, whether it's because of the situation we're in with the world and that it, sound, it looks like this book will give us more of the kind of gaming that suits us, what we're doing now. So painting up small amounts of models and models that I've wanted to do for ages. Um, but I'm definitely looking forward to it. It feels like the right kind of comforting, nostalgic style um, narrative scenario book that um, that we need right now, or that I need right now. Um, and then... We had a message from my mate Wes actually, and um, he asked a question. And I thought, why not put it in the show notes and uh, and ask you the question at the same time, and we could discuss it. We weren't going to a long chat about it, but so Wes Sims he says, "Hi mate, really enjoying the podcast so far. They're great listen while painting." There we go, sticking the uh, the the sycophantic uh, nice bit. I did try and catch it. Was some in bed, to be honest. But I'll be honest, it was a bit weird having you talk soft in my ear like that. Uh, <laughs> Wes Where, <laughs> and I went to uni together, if anyone's wondering why so um, I know it's been discussed a lot elsewhere, but have you got any plans to talk about counts as proxies and conversions? I'd be interested to hear your views on them in casual and competitive games, and from your point of view as a TO. Also keen to see Hell's Deep Action, and speaking as one, he's asking whether we're going to do as a YouTube battle report. I've told him no because we want to enjoy playing it. <laughs> we, don't, <laughs> we don't want it to take seven days to record. Um, but there will be a little, there will be videos about it when we do it. Was but there won't be a, it won't be a full on battle report. It might be a kind of a pre game, mid game, end of game, and then lots of photos and stuff. So there will be a video on it, but it won't be a battle report as such. Um, what else has he said oh, about a Glorfindel. Now's a gold death match potentially. So I've added that to the um, list of potential things for the future but anyway the main question is about counts as proxies and conversions um and what we feel about them in the game and where they fit what what about what what's your kind of thoughts on that have you got any kind of strong opinions either way on on how to handle those things
2: i would caveat this from the very beginning with i i'm a firm believer in sort of your hobby your way Mm -hmm. everyone needs to do what they want to do um These views are my own, and I cast no aspersions on anyone who does things contrary to that. But I firmly believe that buying the the proper models for the proper things they're supposed to represent from the proper company is sort of the way forward for me, and it's the way I've always been, literally, since day dot, when I was a child, buying uh, Heroes of the Imperium and um, old High Elf models. I've always bought the Games Workshop models representing Game social models and game social games, games. Um, yeah, it's very much a thing for me of sort of supporting the game, supporting the studios because ultimately if we don't, we're not, they're not going to have any money to make more stuff. Yeah, um, you know, they're a business and our and our charity. So if no one buys the models, they're going to think no one's interested. So, <laughs> you know, um, while I understand everyone's got different priorities, different budgets, the way they want to do things, I I will where I can always buy brand new from GW I have the privilege and that um, you know I'm in the position where I can do that not only because we receive favorable prices being in the UK but also you know I'm unfortunate enough to have the liquid cash to do it yes you know it's, uh, that's not me just going oh look at me it's just I, I appreciate that is especially in this current environment that is a privileged thing to be able to say so where I can I will always buy the right things um that's not to say that conversions aren't a good idea um i love conversions I-, I love doing conversions it adds a little bit of flavor and spice i think it's harder within midlife sometimes because you're trying to represent things that are clearly defined often have imagery you know that everyone knows what they're supposed to look like yeah not to mention that okay, fair enough, there are big gaps in the lines at the moment with what's available, but I know they're looking at the MTOs, and I know that's another kettle of fish about uh, the delays on MTOs, but, you know, COVID, uh, I think we all need to be, you know, a little bit realistic about that. There usually is a model to represent everything. So where I can, I'll use the proper one. Not to say there's anything wrong with doing anything other, um, and not to say that there may come a time when I wouldn't do some conversions or conversion proxy something yeah. in i mean my um, necromancer for my dog will do is a kit bash of the necromancer and Sauron model yeah
1: yeah it's true. but
2: done in effect to bring it closer to actually what it looks like in the film because the necromancer model that exists from games workshop was created before the hobbit films were a thing mm-hmm. and the necromancer as he appears in the peter jackson movies has the aspect of Sauron, yes. So I needed, I wanted to get that across in the model I created for my army. So I suppose you know I um, have modified um, my existing correct Necromancer model as it stands using a Sauron model. So I suppose I'm contradicting myself slightly there. But uh,
1: I think generally we can. Um, it's it's the regardless of his name, it's the same character in two different ages that you've taken the two models of it and amalgamated them. So it's not really that much of a stretch, is it?
2: No. Um, so you know, I think as much as I can, I'll use the models as they should be. Um, I'm not beyond obviously doing. Conversions and doing things in order to lend greater to the theme, Um, even just subtle conversions like changing an arm position, for instance, or just the subtle things. But you know, I got plans for mounted captains for my uh, Iron Hills. Yeah, they don't exist as models. Yes, so so I will require a bit of time with a razor saw. But
0: yeah, I mean, you've got. I mean, how do
1: you feel about this kind of thing? Let me break it down then. So in terms of casual games, if it's like we're talking really casual, so if we're talking um at home, um in a club where someone maybe wants to try out a list or something like that, or just try a, a profile out but they don't have the model, I really don't mind as long as it's kind of within the theme of the game so to speak I would rather almost a picture on a base than someone using a space marine as a, as, a, as, a, as a model but if someone wants to try out a profile um no problem I'll play anything I just want to you know happily play a laid back game I prefer to play games with painted models but that expectation in casual gaming is more for me um I wouldn't expect everyone to while they're working on an army to to do to do that um and if the that person or there was a person that never paints their army and never you know gets the right models and is proxying a model again and again and again month after month, year after year, then there may be many reasons for that. Might just be financial or something. I won't judge them on it, but then sometime in the future if I have an opportunity to play them or someone else and the other person has a brilliantly painted army, you never know, I might pick the person that's got the right stuff. Um but on on a on a basic level I'll play anything in a in a very casual setting. If people are trying stuff out, it just needs to make sense. Um as you know, as long as it's clear what you're playing against, why why not bother? Why bother with it? Um in competitive wise I'm not a very competitive person, but I just think from a, from a point of a TO and from going to events, it should be very, very clear what you're facing. So some people should be able to point them out at the beginning of the game, say, this is such and such a character. Um, and I then I don't mind if it's a conversion um, at all, I'm not, as long as it stands out. So if someone said, well, this is my, I don't know, this is my Elrond and it was Haldir, um. Regardless of whether there was another Haldir on the same table, I'm mixing two lots of L's here. That's a really bad example. What should we say, Kellaborn? And it was a Haldir model. Um, regardless of whether um, Kellerborn was in the army, anyway, I would be thinking mm, it clearly looks like Haldir. And if you've not made, a, if you've not converted it at all, I probably would think that was a bit much for a competitive event for, for casual, no problem at all. And I think it just comes down to that kind of effort if someone had actually converted it and swapped the head and changed the pose or something and, and that was the reason for doing it was because they preferred that pose on one of that armor or something or other that would be fine, but you'd have to be you'd have to be a good enough conversion or enough effort in that you'd know it was different you wouldn't immediately think oh that's how all oh, that's that character. So the base model, the model that it was originally, you shouldn't automatically think that's what it is. If that makes sense, it should be very clear that it's been changed. Like if you converted Gimli into a uh, Erebor dwarf captain, you should be changed enough that you don't look at it and go, oh, "That's Gimli." You should look at it and go, "Oh, that's cool." Oh, actually, is that based on Gimli? You know, is that based on that sculpt? It's got to be. There's got to be enough change to it, I think, for um, sort of a competitive game when you go to an event or something to for it to make the difference. So I don't mind and I'm happy for people to make do conversions of models that are that do exist as well. But you probably the, the onus is on them to make more of an effort to make it look really, really like what it should do. So they know straight away. There's some fun that before AMO came out, someone I forget his name now we I think we mentioned him on the show before. Someone did a fantastic AMO conversion using the the Dernhelm model, I think. I think it was the Dornhelm Forge World sculpt, and it's... mate, not Dornhelm. What's his name? Oh, am I going to ask you to help me out when your and Rohan isn't your thing? It's completely, no. Complete mind blank. What's the Forge World characters? Everyone's shouting at their mic, at their their speakers right now, and probably I'm, not PG either. <laughs> I've got the models. Another website for our website's not opening. Um L yes. Wine. It's day De- oh, Wine, I think, rather than an One of those two. One of them has been used for a really, really cool AMR conversion and it looks like AMR the way it's been done. So it's been reposed. Pretty sure there's green stuff added to to you know to the, the head sculpts, so which doesn't look like the existing model anymore. You can see the poses. you can see the where the, the sculpt came from. That's enough for me, especially versus what what I you know I've said on previously that I hate the uh, the metal Ama. It was a really bad sculpt; it just didn't age very well at all. And before that, plastic one came out, um, and we didn't definitely, definitely know it was coming out. I would have rather have done a conversion like that than than, than, than have the metal one. And this person did a great job. So that's an example, very badly given because I couldn't remember the name of the model they used. But that was um, that's that's an example of where I think a conversion. I'm more than happy with it as a TO and as a, as, as a player facing it. It's like, brilliant, you've put some real effort into it and actually improved what was there beforehand. And then you've got the situation, I suppose, where there are models that are out of production and people have to do conversions of them. And I think the best thing you can do is, is find the, the, the nearest best thing that you can purchase that fits it and convert it as best you can, but do convert it. Don't just sort of say, that Rohan warrior there is a captain. What have you done to him? Oh, um, I've painted his shield. Different color or something, you know do 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 some work on it because in game it will cause issues. And it's hard for people that maybe aren't so good at modelling and things, and it does cause some issues. That's one of the issues when when it's hard for them to keep all of the range that's needed in stock. Um, that's why people spend sitting money on eBay, but the, you know they can only do so much and does cause issues in terms of third party miniatures and stuff. Um, again, casual. I haven't got a major. I haven't really got a problem. I wouldn't have it at my events, um, even though they're independent. My events are independent. Um, the general feeling within a community that I've seen—I know a few people pay with alternative models, but the general feeling is that most people prefer to see the official. So I would go with what most of the people coming to my event would probably prefer to see. If that makes sense, um, and yeah, at official events—you are never going to have a third-party model. There are only there's a couple of companies out there that do do sort of non middle earth, middle earth models, don't they? And um some of the sculpts are quite nice, but they are very close to I say I say it's not GW's IP, it's New Lime Warner Brothers IP. Um and that would make me uncomfortable as well. <laughs> they're not they're not recast as such, which would be even worse. But they're I don't know how they get away with it sometimes. And that's not knocking the quality of the because they are some of them are good, some of them are not so good. Um but I do look at it and think, ooh, that looks really close to <laughs> Close to the film, how they got away with that, but um so yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't per- personally wouldn't purchase any of those or allow them on my events and stuff. Again, if someone turned up at a casual game with them, they spend their money on something that's available and wouldn't bother me. Um, so yeah, I don't think, I don't think other than that, I've got any thoughts on it really. So casual, no problem at all. At events, I prefer to see only GW models used, and uh, if it's a conversion, fine, but make it make it so it's easy to see what it's supposed to be you shouldn't be easily confused for the model that that it's based on because that that's going to cause problems in game right do you have anything <laughs> just end the conversation like that we've, uh, I think we've covered that unless you've got anything else to add
2: I, I think we've definitely covered that we've possibly, fl- possibly flogged that more than uh, Lucky has <laughs> with yeah uh, <laughs>
1: Yes, yeah, so and next week's listeners' question is. No. Um, right, well, what we'll do is we're going to go for a break and we'll come back with some actual interesting conversation. Um, we have Matt Davies.
0: The hour grows late and
1: Blandalf grey plastic comes seeking my counsel. You are sure of this, Blandalf? Yes, the event is fully painted. It was in the event pack under my nose the whole time. Yet you did not have the wit to see it. Your love for the Facebook group has slowed your mind. We must join him, Blandalf. The commission painter, we must be fully painted. When did Surly Man the White give in to madness? But I am now Surly Man of many colours. Miniature Realm Studio is a commission painting service. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Or contact us directly at miniature realm studio at gmail.com.
0: You have elected the way of paint.
1: And welcome back, and we're here for another Council of Elrond, and time for another special guest. So we've been trying to set this up for a couple of months, but everyone's been a little bit too busy, and it's a little bit sort of too hard to get it all. All of our timelines matching, but we are very pleased to welcome Matt Davies of Generation Shift fame onto the show. So how's it going, Matt?
3: Hi, guys. It's great to be with you, and thanks for having me on. No
1: worries. A real, a real pleasure. We've, so we've been chatting for a little while. I think i bumped into you and I spoke to you at Throne of Skulls I think yeah. I kind of mentioned it then that we'd love to get you on the show and that was back in December last year and we are now in, in September
3: <laughs> that, <laughs> so that's just live for you isn't it
0: yeah
1: well we'd, we'd only just started then we wanted to get a few more shows under our belt and we had quite a lot planned and then yeah it's just been a, a little bit crazy so um now it's great Ooh, to well. you have you on well, we're uh, pumping out almost too many shows in a row at the moment releases tend to do that <laughs> but we're, we're enjoying it it's keeping us busy in this lockdown period. So how's lock ba- lockdown been, been treating you? Hopefully not too badly.
3: Yeah, not too bad at all, really. Um, can't complain myself. Um, but I was uh, furloughed about six weeks into lockdown. So ever since then, I've uh, been doing loads of housework. And um, <laughs> the, the porch has been repainted and done up. The hallway's done up. We've been doing the garden with my wife and um, just... Being a house husband as well.
1: Using the time well.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And when when, when I f- was furloughed, I did a, a sale straight away from my business and just plowed into that sort of side of things as well. So yeah, it's been quite good, but it's, it's it's been just as busy still, even though I haven't been working. I know I know the feeling.
1: My uh, I I've worked as normal and I had kids off kids off, but we well, have decorated the a couple of rooms and my garage yeah. has never been tidier. Um not any garage I've ever had or shared has ever been as tidy as my garage is right now. Dang it do yeah. long, very long. Um right then, so before Well we... our
3: stairway's hard to <laughs> I was just going to say, my stairway had a massive splodge of paint on for two years and we finally got around to <laughs> pre-carpeting, so that's been a massive bonus for us.
1: <laughs> oh, God, yeah. I, I, hate, I hate DIY, but uh, there was quite a list that was drawn up by the wife that we needed to get through. Don't get me wrong, she does some as well, but it's... Uh... The pressure's definitely been on more. Anyway, before we go on a tangent about talking about um, what, what kinds of emulsion you like to use on your walls, oh, um, yeah. <laughs> what, we, what we like to do on the show, if, as any listeners will, will know from previous um, guests, is we like to give you a chance to sort of give us a bit of a background to your hobby. So take as long as you want. Um, we'll prod you with questions if you don't say enough. But um, yeah, give us a bit of a background. How did you get started in the hobby? Was Did you start with Middle Earth and so on? Sort of mm. Tell us all about it.
3: Well, yeah. Um, so me and my brother, uh, we grew up listening to Lord of the Rings. My dad interest, introduced us to it, um, listening to the BBC tapes, the audio um, record they did. And they were just fantastic. And I remember every summer we just listened to those and go through in the caravan, um, just the the BBC production tapes. And just from then on, um, when the films came out, we were just really into them. Uh, and then in high school the game was released, but two of our friends um bought us um some figures which were the legless and gimli mounted and I think it was something else, but I can't remember, that was so long ago now. Uh so we got into the hobby just by that really and me and my brother were really interested in that sort of side of things. We'd build up a collection, we'd do like the the old school um battle companies together. Um and, yeah, just went from there, really. We we did go off into 40k for a while, um, but Lord of the Rings has always been our first love with that sort of thing. Um, and, yeah, from then on, um, I think after uni, uh, we got right back into Lord of the Rings instead. Um, we don't really do any 40k stuff anymore, but uh, um, GBHL really sort of, um, was a great thing for me, um, and my brother went to uh, uni, and I went to my first event and Desolation Stockport Met some amazing guys back in I think it was 2014 or 2015, and for there now, um, it's been great just meeting people and getting to a few events and this and that. Really, that's a, a very small version of our history in the hobby. I
1: think my the first time I I came across you and we talked about this a little bit before we start recording was um, seeing you on the Palante I think um, you were on as a guest. Mm.
3: Um, oh yeah, yeah, I remember that.
1: <laughs> it was going back at, probably going back a few years ago, so I don't know where that fits in with your 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 timeline. I'm guessing around the times going to v- events and things. But I remember seeing you there and 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 them talking about Generation shift. Bases, and mm. they had the first couple of SPG magazines, and your um, you, obviously your your advertising on the back of those. So that was sort of I became aware of you, aware of you back then. So how um, how how sort of long after you started sort of being on the event scene did you start making decide to kind of do generation stuff and start making the bases and things?
3: Well, it was quite interesting. I was looking back through my my posts on my page um, earlier today. And um in my first tournament I went to, which was Desolation of Stockport twenty fourteen, um around that time I've just noticed um on my page I was posting pictures of some work in progress bases that I would think about releasing. Um and it was the army I was taking to Stockport was um, on those bases. Um and so when I was around the tournament loads of people were liking them and and said they they would like to get some as well. So um, that gave me a massive bit of encouragement into in, going into production with these and making it a little business sort of thing. And so my first bases were the, the Broken City ones, uh, and they were released in 2014, and that's when I sort of decided to um, try and make it a little bit of a business on the side. Um, and, yeah, it just went from there. And to be honest, my... My broken city ones are still one of the favourite bases that people like to get, and yeah, Dan, you said you've got some, and uh, it's, they're definitely up there with the most purchased. Um, yeah,
2: great many of them actually. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I think it's just like they've got the versatility, they've got a bit of um, cobblestone which people like, and and a bit of dirt on there as well. So, uh, but yeah, it, it's but it's more the people that I I, um, I sort of met at those events that really help propel my business because they just posted stuff on on GBHL and and really helped me in that area so I'm I'm definitely really grateful to those sort of people like James Clark and and Damien O'Byrne and Jamie Giblin Thomas Harrison but yeah fantastic.
1: Uh, Sorry so you kind of sort of came around you were making them the reason you started making them in the first place was was essentially for your own army and from that yeah like, oh, I want those and, and that's why you decided to sort of start sort of a more of a mass production of them.
3: Yeah, I think it, somewhere in my head I had sort of the idea of of making them to sell on eBay because in the past I'd done some like um sort of 40k style ones, so some Necron style bases or or those sort of I did a lava one once when I was younger. Um so it was not something that I just I, I didn't have any knowledge of back then. Um it's something I've played around with in the past. Um, but I, I've had a few years, well, not a few years, but like a bit of time away from that uh, because I was into my Lord of the Rings stuff. Um, but yeah, I've got a lot to owe to the guys at, um, at the GBHL because uh, that really helped. Obviously, um kind put my business up.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, and is the kind of the sculpting, creating side of the hobby something that's that's always been really important to you is that why you were making Mm. bases in the past for 40k and things or
3: yeah and i think the most enjoyable part of the hobby for me was was the modeling side and the sculpting and taking a model and making it my own and changing things um unit making it unique not i not having any model in my army the same pose and that sort of passion. Um, went into the bases as well because i didn't just want the sand bases if my model was supposed to be from a certain area with cobblestones or or rolling hills or things like that so uh, it sort of translated from the model to the to the bases yeah yeah that
1: makes sense definitely makes sense and you do conversions with models and, and things like you just saying you were sort of reposing and things you you Post some of those mm. up in your, you've got your other Facebook page, your personal one, haven't you? For
3: Yeah, I've got a Generation Shift Hobby Hub. and So I, I don't post that much stuff very often, but it's it's, it's when I get chance to do hobby, um, which is just in, in the spare time because I've got, the business takes a lot of um, time up doing the orders and things like that. So whenever I do get time for the hobby, uh, I usually try and put something on there or put something on GBHL. But it's all good fun.
1: Absolutely. You done some? Didn't you do some work for SPG magazine in terms of converting some stuff for them? Or yeah, was...
3: that was um, the the time when I sort of came on board with SBG. Uh, it was issue three, and um, I think it was after that issue. Then I ended up sponsoring the magazine itself to this date. Um, but yeah, I did the the sculpting of the the nine um, the Nazgul dog holder before they came out. Um, and that was a, probably my biggest sculpting challenge to that date. How can um, <laughs> Because previously in a in a tournament, um, I don't know if you ever saw this, but I did a, a bomber with horn conversion. Um, and it was sort of on it. this little plinth um, part of Arabor, Because uh, there was like a, I think it was, oh, I've forgotten who, who was running a, Sam Page was running a, a tournament. Um, one of the old um, GBHL guys. Yeah, and um, yeah, my entry was a Bomber with horn, and basically I re-sculpted Bomber with a horn, as you see him in the films on a little rock. And um, Tom and Damien saw that and approached me about the magazine after that, um, after seeing what I was able to sculpt. And so it was a, it was a really good challenge, and uh, really propelled my sculpting. Uh, going from sculpting one special model to almost nine from scratch, <laughs> yeah, um,
1: I, can, I can imagine it's a scary yeah. prospect. It's something beyond my skills. I don't. I, I can, I can kit bash, but sculpting wise, that's not really one of my strengths.
3: Sure. Yeah, it was a really interesting process, especially when you come to design nine models from Weta, and you realise that they only came up with six designs. <laughs> um, so at the time, they wanted nine individual ones. So, I had to come up with three extra designs, uh, so um we had this great um like message in chat that was going on with loads of cool stuff from Barry with this cool terrain, yes, and yes. I'd send photos about the sculpted or little sketches or designs I've done um and there were two from the um Wetter Chronicles books, yep. which I used um as as my imp- main, main inspiration for two of them. But then I had to come up with one completely new one as well. But that was, it was good fun, and uh, it was a uh, sort of growing and my expanding my skills with the sculpting tools and learning a lot of new things. And it's really speeded up my ability to sculpt. Um, like so, the other day I was able to convert a, a bunch of Roan just foot soldiers, but like very quickly. And if you really kind of push into Stretching yourself with sculpting stuff, you, you you'd be surprised how quickly you can do the the small conversions after that.
1: Yes, yeah, I mm. I, I do odd little swap here and there, and I tend to use the green stuff for, for kind of tidying up areas rather than actually mm. sculpting a, a, an area that's too large, unless unless I really have to. So, have you got any tips for people? Um, I and mean, do you use green stuff to sculpt, or do you use other other products as well?
3: Yes, yeah, so, uh, I use green stuff and milliput, um, and sometimes a, a mixture of both. Mm-hmm. Um, milliput is a great material for like flat surfaces, something that you, you really want a sharp edge with. Yeah. Uh, so anything like armor or um, tank stuff or so non organics really. Yes, exactly. Because it sands um,
1: better. Is it? Is that? Is that one It sands
3: better. It carves better. And for that process, actually, Milliput is one of the main materials. When I use, when I make any kind of cobblestone for my bases, that's the sculpting material I use for that. Just because it's, I sculpt the main basic shape, let it cure, mm-hmm. and then it's more like carving than sculpting. Yes. So, um, depending on the type of stone I want to make, but um yeah so work with the material that you're comfortable with in terms of tips just be patient and work always work in layers if you're going to build something up um think about layers of cloth um as if you were putting them on yourself or you were kind of looking at the different types of materials um I saw a thread um on on one of the facebook pages the other week that said about when you put like your finger in um something you've sculpted uh like for for hours and then <laughs> because you've tried to t- to sculpt too many layers at once and yes. <laughs> yeah it's just be patient with it um i know it can be tedious sometimes but um i recently did a Halberad sculpt that are like conversion and i think it was about 8 to 10 different layers that i sculpted over the top that's like from cloth to leather to straps to chain mail. And you really have to do think of it almost like you're putting on the stuff. So, um, so you get the realistic, well
1: speaking, you get realistic shape as well as as well as exactly. the practicalities around waiting for you each layer to yeah. dry. That's and also was... think
3: about what's coming next. So if oh, yes. you've got a cloth and you've got a strap going over, you've got to think about where that strap's going to come down, where you want to sculpt that strap. So putting the indents already in there ready for the strap that's going to be going over the top yeah
1: yeah i'm with this sounds like something's going on in the background is that you? i know yeah <laughs> it's that dan sunny peterborough
3: it's not my end he,
1: he's just muted so this, it sounds like there's someone outside the house We're all Still kicking off <laughs> <laughs> so I that's probably why I'd fall down and why I don't do much of it because I, I paint I like to work quite quickly so the whole kind of doing a layer if I was in the mood I was in the groove I wanted to keep going I'd probably find it hard to 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 wait so that's maybe why I don't naturally do sculpting more than mm. more than painting but but it, it clearly works on what you're saying I um, think there's
3: three main points to sculpting really it's your your layers your material you're working with and also or um, well maybe four your sculpting tools. To be honest, anything can be a sculpting tool uh if it works for you there's there's no like there's nothing wrong with that yeah so if it's a bit of wood that you've kind of chopped a bit at the end off or a bit of a toothpick yeah if if it works, it's a sculpting tool um it's great seeing I think I remember seeing Dave Frederick's um sculpting kit that he had at a time and just seeing what he had in there um It's like artists have completely different tools. But they still produce similar stuff or amazing stuff. Um and then the other thing is um I went from using Vaseline, no went sorry, went from using water to Vaseline yep. um when sculpting because it, it it just helps so much when you're making cloth or smooth shapes. Yes. You can do things so much quicker. Um you can sculpt a over a cloth or a cloak or things like that so much quicker with it. Um, and, yeah, it really speeds up your, your sculpting.
1: Do you have a prob- any problems with it creating a residue afterwards before putting another layer on or anything, or is it...?
3: I've not really had any problems with it. Um, after it's cured, you can just wipe it down or... Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's 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 fine. And, and to be honest, by the time you've finished, unless you've put a ridiculous amount on, and by the time you've finished touching it up, it's usually mostly all rubbed off anyway, so... Yeah, that makes sense. Um, it's it's not usually a problem.
1: It's interesting. I I I occasionally when I try and do something like that, then I I do use a bit of vaseline for it. And mm. I've spoken to quite a few people that kind of do do sculpting, and it's completely mixed. Some some they're like, yes, use it. And other people are like, no, you shouldn't use it at all. It's quite. But just like you said, just like the tools, I suppose this is another tool. What works
3: for you? Exactly. Yeah. yeah, It's it's, it's generally that. But I if something's best. not working for you, just don't do it. Yeah. Makes
1: sense, definitely makes sense. So, have you oh, before we go into some sort of talking more about Generation Shift? But have you played mm-hmm. around with 3D um, modeling or have you been tempted to kind of pick up ZBrush Brush or something like that and, ha- and have a go there?
3: Um, personally, no, uh, because quite like, um, sculpting something by hand, uh-huh. um, there is something about it, you get instant feedback, and um. I do like some of the stuff. I mean, I work with CAD in my in my general job. Right. It's okay. um, solid modeling, not surface modeling, so I'm not doing like special shapes or sculpting that sort of thing. I did have a go in in university, yeah, uh, with that. But um, I just think there's something about physically having something and sculpting it in front of you or painting something, um, doing stuff with your hands. That's that's my. Yeah, it's what so I like doing then.
1: Tile, and uh, it's. I'm guessing it's. Uh, I I I find painting very relaxing. So do. you, mm. do you find sculpting relaxing in the same way? as it? A-
3: yeah, definitely. Um, I think it's. I find it very rewarding. Um, especially seeing how far I've come. Um, and it's just knowing if I want to be able to if I've got something in my head that I'll be able to sculpt. Uh, having the ability to know. Uh, i'll be able to do that it doesn't stress me out it's sort of um it really relaxes me because then i just take it easy if i don't like it i can always just take off the layer or or cut it back and then re- try again it's not the end of the world um and when you end up with something completely unique um and that's i just find it really rewarding Which is which is the main thing, isn't it? It's yeah,
1: it's a hobby, and then I suppose generation shift. While it's a business, it's also an extension of your your hobby as well. I'm assuming, especially with a day job. Um, Yes,
3: absolutely. Yeah.
1: So let's let's talk a bit about generation shift then. So you talked about sort of your beginnings and things. So obviously after that, you've added other ranges. What what's the process you you have for coming up with a new range? What what sort of inspires you, and how do
3: you go about starting?
0: It's
1: a
3: mix of different things, really. It's um people um approach me asking for when i get a lot of sort of traction people asking for a certain range um that obviously um speeds up um the ability for me to be able to then put effort into something um but it can even come down to what projects i want to work on as well so like my first army that i took to a tournament uh, was on the broken city basis. um it, it's, it sometimes works similar to that. If I've got a tournament coming up and I want to do something different, um, it, I guess it's it's out of a, a passion sort of side of things, yeah. and also, oh, this will be cool. Um, so this, there's honestly not one way of doing it. Um, I know people have been asking for like um, an expansion of the gloomy forest range for a while, uh-huh. and I, I am getting to them. And they they just those ones take ages because you're sculpting um roots and um trees and and little little leaves on the thing and it's it, it takes ages and it's just a bit daunting. <laughs> um but I'm gonna get to it but it's just one of those things. Um so in answer to your question, there isn't really an answer. It's it's <laughs> it's a mixture of whatever is inspiring me at the time to a load of people are asking, they want to have this sort of style thing or this'll be cool. Um, so it's it's not one thing. I'm afraid.
1: No, no. Well, that's it's, it's 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 nice to hear that you kind of you almost do it from a people are asking for this or I want this for me, so I'm yeah. going to make it for me. And I think it helps that it well. I have
3: quite a good relationship with the community itself, and 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 I, I do really like that um, connection with with like the GBHL and people like that, and the, and and the communities like that because. There's kind of a, a mutual respect of the hobby because they, they the, the people, most of the people who buy from me um, appreciate that I'm pretty much a one-man band, and sometimes I, I have to take little breaks or it's not my full-time job, and yeah. it, it's a really nice arrangement. But it's it, it's great to see what people do with them as well. So it kind of seeing what other people do with the the bases is, is another passion, really.
1: So once you have um, decided you're going to do a do a set, then um, mm. what's what's your process then? How do you decide sort of how many of each size base you're going to do? What are the practicalities around the that planning stage before you actually start
3: sculpting? Yeah, so this is something that's um, I've sort of developed over the time working. Um, so obviously, with my original ones, I just did twenty-five mil um and then i think i had a, a 60 mile base for my broken city um but as i've been going um so just to clarify my, my standard sets are like 25 mil come in packs of 10 um it's just a nice round number you get a nice variation if you want to duplicate in the army uh, and it works well when I, when i'm doing a mold of them um and so that that's that's the main core. Most armies are a core of twenty five mil, and then you have six forty mil in a pack, Um and just I like what I like is variation, and so I, I'm thinking about um, what people have in armies so that they can have enough variation in the bases to not make it look like the same one over and over again. Uh, so they can they can enjoy the variation uh, with. The ease of just buying the bases and painting them up yeah, yeah but now, um when I'm making a new range i there are say the standard sizes that people like to get, so twenty five mil forty mil, sixty mil, eighty mil, then like a hundred and twenty mil oval va- base, which is like the 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 dragon size yeah. base yeah, um, and then there's one other, but I make sure like with the um, Flagstone Fortress ones that I've just brought out, I made sure that they're straight away available. There's no kind of drip feeding of um, I'm bringing out the, ne- the next size next week. Yes. Because if someone wants to pick up an army of bases and then there's one that's not there, it can be frustrating for them and, and they can't complete the army without that size. And so I'm trying to sort of address that sort of side of things now. Yeah. Um, so to make sure... Um, that the sizes are available for each of the each of the the styles yes and I think one year I didn't bring out any new styles I just went through and bought out the different sizes and filling in the ranges and I still got a bit bit of that to do but it takes time (laughs) and (laughs) yeah I've only got so much sculpting ability in me
1: (laughs) and how long does it i mean are you the answer probably partly going to be depending on what you're sculpting but how long yeah. does it does, does it take you as a sort of an average or also give us some examples how long does it take you to, to sculpt a, a set uh
3: so yeah it can vary um, entirely um but in terms of um I, I guess the easiest way to look at it is uh, over this um lockdown period um, I developed the Flagstone Fortress bases. Mm-hmm. Um, and looking back through um, the previous years, I've generally bought out a new range every year, um, sometimes more than one a year. Uh, I, not, and that's not going to continue because I don't think it's necessary to to do... it If you've got a decent core set of bases, you don't need to necessarily do much variation because i think i'm covering most of my bases with the the rolling planes and then flagstones and the the st- types of style of scenery yes. that people are needing fantasy style bases um i've completely forgotten what the question was <laughs> it was just a, it was just about <laughs> how long it might take you to to sculpt a um,
1: particular particular set yes yeah,
3: so it also depends on what's on the base. So, flagstone fortress ones, they're, they're just basically flagstones and, and, and cobblestone style. Um, so, the actual 25mm I did over um, a day or two um, because you just, I'm flattening some milliput on the bases, make, tidying up, making sure that's all, all ready. I draw the sort of pattern I'm going to do on there after I've textured it. Uh, and then it's all about carving out um so i've I've got a lot of the sort of tidying up um down to a sort of a, a good process now, so it takes me a lot less time than it used to um and it's all done by hand um but yeah some a twenty five mm set properly focused on it i can it can take about a week, but if you're looking at the um the gloomy forest style you've got a lot of layers going on there yeah. and it's rather than carving if something's carving it takes less time than sculpting because sculpting is detail you actually having to go back and touch up for about an hour and while you still got pliability in there um so yeah it, it can vary a lot um but then after that you then you have to make the molds and that's a continuous process because a mold doesn't last for um forever um and yeah, yeah it's, it's it's it all goes into the the pot of time
1: so that's probably a good little segue, actually I was going to ask you a little bit about your your your, your molding and casting and process so uh, some people or quite a lot of people out there or probably most people out there won't have done any any resin casting do you want to sort of give us mm. a bit of a a five-minute intro to sort of what goes into that process um so people kind of peer behind the curtain a little bit and uh, mm. get a glimpse
3: so the, the process i use is probably one of the simplest um casting processes and it's called gravity casting and uh, so it's a one-part mold that you you pour into from the top uh, it's just basically like you you pour in a tube of and like a tray of ice cubes, that sort of style thing. Yeah, that's a, that's a, good, um, that's a good description. A good, so um, that's that's the main process that I use for my bases. Um, yeah, single part mold. Um, so obviously I have to um, fix the bases I've sculpted down onto a flat surface. Um, I used to use it's the, the probably the first. Um, how much a bit of advice you can give to you uh, if you're actually casting anything is get some Lego. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, Lego makes a great seal around the where you um, where you're making a mold around the bases. However, I have I've moved on from that now. I've got these um, um plastic um, molds I've made so that that screw together so it holds tight and it's a lot faster. Um but once you've got that, um, your master, um, and it's all, you've got your mould, you pour in a two-part mixture of the mould, uh, and then you get your negatives. And then, like I said, from there, it's like a ice cube process. But I use a mould release as well, a spray-on one. Um, and after that, really, it's just about um, the type of resin. And I've developed a lot of techniques over the years on Making sure there's there's less bubbles in in the bases when they're casting them because bubbles is an enemy of any hobbyist. Uh yeah. Um and and just yeah, refining the process. Um it's a messy business, um, resin casting. Uh <laughs> and you definitely need to do it in a ventilated room, um, and make sure you're wearing all the right PPE, so disclaimer there. Uh, yeah. Um but um yeah it's um it's the bases themselves I use they cast in a in about um a minute to two minutes, and um I think for people who haven't used resin or worked with resin before, that can be quite an interesting point that and they just see something go from a liquid to solid within two minutes, and it's I pop it out and then pack them up, and yeah <laughs> it's quite an interesting process, but it's it's normal for me now, um uh, but yeah it's, it is quite interesting but there are a lot of little tips that you can kind of um, pick up along the way yeah. um but it's it's something that I'm looking to outsource in the future um lockdown's kind of um, put a span of the works in that um but yeah for now everything that has been shipped out has gone out from either back when I started it from my old bedroom or my now my office um so it's all, all gone through and all been poured. I think back in, uh, I um, back in twenty eighteen to twenty nineteen, I took a tally of how many bases I actually cast in the year, and individual bases that were sent out was seventeen thousand five hundred or something like that, and that's how many pours I did in a year. So it's that's a lot individual bases. It's a lot. So. Um, <laughs> yeah it was, it was quite interesting
1: and uh, <laughs> I've i've done a little uh, bit in the past myself so i nothing to mm-hmm. the level you've done but i know how long it can take to to, to pour resin and i know that mm-hmm. with that fast setting time you've got a perfect period for its yeah. kind of poor to get it into those molds too it starts becoming yep. a little bit too thick and yeah. then it doesn't go into the holes so you don't get your proper proper cast and then yeah, doing yeah. it without bubbles is a as a nightmare. So you've obviously got your processes down very well to get the quality of finish you do from from the um, the process you do when you're mm. just just using gravity is really really good because I know our, uh, it's, it's 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 not easy for anyone thinks it's just mm. we we joke you joked about ice cube pouring um, it's it's not as simple as that because if you you don't do it the, if you do it too fast you're going to make a mess but if you you're too slow and you've got too much resin there
3: you're either going to waste loads or it's going to get too thick like i said it's quite so you you have you, good good and bad days with resin pouring <laughs> <laughs> sometimes it's a, it's a bit of a write off and quite then, a bit goes uh, in the bin does not it <laughs> yeah exactly um, but another thing um, when I'm designing the bases i take i've i've learned to take that into account because how you sculpt them or how you've designed something really impacts how it's going to cast. And um, so, if you've got lots of overhangs or underhangs mm-hmm. and things like that, um, that's where, if you think about it in terms of gravity, that's where bubbles collect yes. going back up. Yeah. So, I've kind of learned to think about the limitations of gravity casting mm-hmm. um, and use that to my advantage, really. Yeah. Um It's little things like, um, on the um, bone boardwalk range, there's a few which have um, sticks sticking up like sort of um, at strange angles or things like that and they're attached to the base. So I have to make sure that I pour into those sort of sticks first. Yeah. Um, Otherwise that's a prime place for an air bubble to form because of the viscosity of the liquid, it Mm -hmm. doesn't naturally want to pour into all the corners. So uh you kind of do that first and then you go and fill the rest of the base up. But it's it's a it's a big process, um and I usually just stick some music on or a <laughs> film I've already watched on and uh and just crack on with it. Um Yeah, I don't believe it's but yeah, I, I, stop, I am looking actually. to outsource in the future, but. Uh,
1: I imagine that'd be quite pricey, so you've got to get that right to to keep within your margins. Do you, do you keep a lot of um, stock as a as a kind of a base level stock, or is you do you, do you never
3: find time to kind of build that up? It varies. Um, it's it's after an event like Articon, um, where I've I've done a lot of casting um, in up right in lead up to that. Um, a few of the ranges that I didn't sell as much of tend to have a lot of stock and sometimes that can last me throughout the year yeah uh, certain parts or sometimes it, um something gets completely wiped out and then i need to get a new a new uh, sort of batch made myself um so at the moment um i, t- I try and keep a little bit of stock but it's, it's all about time how much time i've got to spare here and um yeah what it's all about life (laughs) what time i've got in my life and i've got really understanding customers and that's something i'm always really grateful and feel blessed about is that like even if like i haven't got something out for a few weeks um i've just messaged and and people have been really understanding on that and um yeah so that's that's really good um
0: yeah
1: it's, um, it's quite hard to fit
3: around the day job at times yeah. yeah, um it's when when working full time, um it's something that maybe once a week I, I de- designate an evening to do uh some casting. And yeah. I just say uh, to my wife I'll 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 see you later <laughs> and then I'll just go up and then do some casting for a few hours and then um get the parcels ready and and yeah, so um it's just about finding the balance and just letting people know uh when I've got a lot on because I have sometimes just shut down for a little bit, um, just when I need a few weeks, and people are really understanding with that. Yeah. But um, I do like to, you know, keep everything up and running uh, as often and as as much as possible. So, um, the stock is is the best thing to have, and I'm I'm looking at a process to be able to make sure I've always got at least some of everything. Yeah, uh,
1: there. That makes sense. I think Dan's got a couple of questions before I carry on. Oh, yeah, sure.
2: yeah it's Stu's podcast but we do love like to have a go sometimes <laughs> <laughs> so um a few of the things I've not, obviously because I've got a fair few of yours all my iron hills mm. are on there do you have like a a bunch of dummy miniatures that you use to test out your scaling on because the iron hills chariot fits bang on the 120 mil broken white city literally down the street it's almost like it's like a glorious coincidence but did you plan that
3: <laughs> Um I, I guess what, what I'll look at um in terms of what can fit on these bases and it's definitely a big part of um because if something wouldn't fit on a base then I wouldn't be able to sell it. Um so um in terms of it's great going to Articon and things like that because um people um suggest what sort of things they want on certain bases and I have occasionally um had some people send me some things Like for the 80mm size, um, and I think it was I was the chariot size as well, Um, just to make sure that I'm covering all bases. But it still works for anything um, that they want to put on, whether it's a diorama or because it's I think it's a Night Titan size base as well. Yes, Um, so it would fit quite well with that. Uh, So um, I think I try to. Yeah. So, in terms of yes, I do um, look at what's out there because I think that's quite important to the end end result of the of the base and who's getting the base. Um, and if something's not going to fit, then it's not really going to work um, for me or or for the the person getting the base.
2: Yeah, that's um, you know it does seem to be sort of a really well set up because. I obviously played multiple systems, and I have been obviously fiddling around with some mm. of your bases here and there. Um Obviously, the big notable one that you don't do, 32 mil, which is obviously big for the likes of 40k and Heresy. Mm. But for other things like 25s and in your 40s, there, there's some really beautiful bits and pieces in there. Um Definitely, as you said, the, the Night Titan style bases. There's an awful lot mm. of stuff for other game systems that go on that. So they have a lot of um, yeah platform use, which is nice, and they seem to work for a lot of different even ones that you may not necessarily have tried.
0: Mm. So.
3: And, and thirty two mil is is something that I I probably will look at in the future. Um, but like like I said, with my background being in Lord of the Rings, and it's been a lot of my inspiration. A lot of my sort of hobby friends have been in that sort of thing, so a lot of my sort of products are driven towards that, that Lord of the Rings style. Uh, and the the game itself and and that fantasy star so it's um that that will always seem to be first and then it's all about whatever extra time I have left over for expanding further than that.
2: Oh absolutely I just know an awful lot because obviously I play multiple systems. I post them to Instagram mm-hmm. people, are like, oh those bases are awesome. Where'd you get them from? I'm like, you know, generation shift 92, too go look them on Facebook uh, I've occasionally sort of um Direct link to it on Instagram, etc., and they've gone. Oh no, thirty twos! I'm like, yeah, you're just gonna have to play another game. You know, <laughs> um, that's but, it. That's yeah. why I'm doing it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I definitely think that um, you know, there's there's so much scope for using them for just beyond their original purpose. I'm I'm determined to try and find a way to use them for things like Necromunda, etc. Mm. I, I think I'd, I'd love to get involved with that. And um, sort of, you know, speaking of scaling and technology and things like that. So the the new hotness, I suppose, in modelling and wargaming is three D printing. Is that something you've considered for producing your
3: masters? Um, I think similar to what Stu asked earlier about the, the ZBrush style of thing. Um, I, I probably not at this point, um, as I, I, I honestly really like the process and um, seeing something with my eyes and 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 sculpting it with my hands and. That's something that I quite... It's part of my hobby, and it's something I quite enjoy and treasure. Uh, So so not at this point. Um, I I understand why a lot of people do it, and especially if something was going to um, plastic production, it's kind of crucial for that. Um, But in terms of resin casting, um, I think the the sculpting fits where I'm at at the moment.
2: Oh, definitely. It's just... um... Seems one of those things that some people are really into it and some people aren't, and a lot of people obviously who like to use it mm. for you know, um, it's, it's the future, etc., as we get told a lot. But I, I, I agree, I'm with more with mm. you. I think there's a process I, while lacking in your talent, I do enjoy doing bits of sculpting work. Um,
3: and I think there's a great sort of um style that comes out with actually sculpting by your hands, it looks more organic, and um, I think. Sometimes sculpted stuff, when it's done, I mean, the Middle Earth stuff's getting great now, um, but sometimes you can still tell it was sculpted um, on a computer. Um, Oh, massively.
2: Um, Perhaps less with Middle Earth, but like in Heresy, definitely, there's um, two models that came out at very similar times in the hmm. same range, and one was done by hand, and one was done 3D and you can you can tell there's a there's a world of difference the details yeah. to be much sharper on stuff that's hand sculpted
3: yeah and i think with the things that i i am I'm, in, I'm into uh, i think it's i prefer that sort of organic style and um it just feels very i think suited to the the real world style of of lord of the rings and that sort of yeah the scaling um i think it just suits it well to what i what i'm sculpting so um, yeah it works
2: oh definitely if it's not broke don't fix it
3: <laughs> yeah uh, I don't know whether it's just pure laziness as well but <laughs> no, no I, I, I do like doing the way. old ways.
2: Well, I like that there's still people doing it the old school way it's nice mm-hmm.
3: I think like my my granddad was a, an artist and he was a sign writer uh, and like he'd do all these signs by hand and it's, 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 that's a forgotten art and I, I was I was doing a sign the other day, um, just for a friend of mine, um, and I just got a moment. Oh, my granddad used to do that, and there is something about doing it with your hands and uh, that is is almost like a forgotten art now. And uh, I I quite enjoy that.
2: And... That's actually something we we share. Then my my granddad was the same. When I used to do technical drawing and stuff, and now everything's CAD.
3: Yeah,
0: people yeah.
2: who don't know which end of a pencil to hold can, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, rip a strip off you. It's, it's a little bit going, but. Mm. You know, the world is more accessible, I suppose, and that's that's a good thing.
3: Yeah, there are always positives and negatives to it, and uh, I think well, let's not lose the old stuff, but let's use the new stuff to do all the stuff as well. So, yeah.
1: So, um, with with that in mind, all of the all of the sculpting you've done, do you have a favorite range yourself that you've done? Or would that be... Um, I
0: was.
3: I was really happy how the bone board ones turned out. Uh, I think the actual like detail that I got on them, I think I was really pleased with. Um, but I, I am quite um, partial to the simplicity of the, the flagstone ones I've just bought out, and and just like the texture of rock Um it's something I've developed over the years and just different textures of different rock because most of my bases are just rock bases or. Or stone bases, but they all have a different style. I think I remember back to the um special edition or the it appendices of the luthering's films and and they were talking about different rocks and like the sheelo was layer like lot rocks or it was all different type, and I think I've taken a lot of inspiration from that sort of thing um, but I do like the texture that I've managed to achieve on the flagstone ones yeah they're fantastic really fantastic. Mm.
1: And then I suppose to finish off our conversation about, about generation shift, um, have you got any future plans that you, you uh wanna share with us? Obviously, if it's all top secrets, don't and then I suppose a sub question to get you out of that a little bit. Have you <laughs> uh, considered um making anything other than bases? Have you got plans to um make anything you're gonna sell that that technically is in the base, maybe it's a bit of terrain or something like that?
3: Yeah, um, in terms of um, what's coming up, um, I do want to really flush out the, the, the gloomy forest range. Uh, that's something that people have been asking for. And it is the next ones that I'm going to go on to um, expanding. Um, so I think my efforts going to be put into that. In terms of terrain or stuff like that, um, there's a big difference between casting small stuff and casting big stuff. Um, and terrain tends to be on the larger side um so n- not at this point i have thought about it in the past but logistics of creating bigger molds and the the bigger something is the more resin and it, it becomes less cost effective the bigger something is and then you have to look at um, using fillers and resin fillers or or things like that so and also i'm working from an office and i only have so much space to store molds <laughs> and large yeah. molds would take up a large space yeah um, that's understandable so, yeah, it's uh, it's something I've thought about in the past, but um, I don't think I'm going to deviate anytime soon from it.
1: I was, there, I was just thinking about th- some of the things you could do, um, and this is not me telling you what to do, but something I would spend money on. Um, things like objective markers. People often, you know, instead of the counters, a lot of people make their own 3D mm. ones and things, so little things like that be, uh, yeah, would, would be yeah. Yeah, I've thought be, about cool, maybe
0: in the past doing
3: it... Similar to the ten set mm. of um, bases for a certain style, but like a ten base of objective markers. That is something I have thought about. So you've reminded me of that. But <laughs> um, I think I, I try and prioritize prioritize the the base ranges that I've got out first. Yeah, because totally I think so. they're anything else, objective markers, things like that. People can make and they. I think if I'm putting effort into that, but someone else is still waiting on um A 60 mil base in this in this style, uh, I think I slightly feel a little bit guilty. So <laughs>
1: well, that, that's definitely putting putting your customers first. It's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, every time someone asks if I'm bringing out the 25 mil, um, um like no gloomy forest bases, uh, <laughs> it's like a knife to the heart. <laughs> it's, it's usually when I've just bought out a new range or or some new bases. Uh, what about the uh, gloomy forest? I'm like, no, <laughs> it's
0: like, <I'm laughs> but, a bit of a nightmare. <laughs> yeah,
3: but yeah, it's it's all part of it, and it's all fun, and yeah, it's it's great just to have the the engagement from people and people wanting to see new stuff, and uh, I, I definitely don't take it for granted. Yeah. That's understood.
1: Well I was, we were talking, I think, I come when Dan and I were talking about it. It might have been on the last show, this is only a couple of days ago, from <laughs> in terms of the recording process, not when this one goes out. But uh, we were talking about maybe buy, me buying some spiders. So, um, yeah, it depends on when I get around to buying spiders and painting them. But uh, you, yeah, if, if yeah, maybe forest would be very nice for those. So there's just a bit more pressure on yeah. you there.
3: The, <laughs> the funny thing is, I started sculpting one about in 2015. So back then, and. The 60 mole base was half finished because I was going to put like a, a spider queen on it or something like that. But it's just, I've got so many unfinished projects yeah. <laughs> in hobby and in generation shifts. So uh, it's just one of those things that I get to it when I get to it. <laughs>
1: Absolutely, which that's a nice little segue, actually. So if it brings us nicely towards the end of the generation shift chat and more mm. onto your own personal hobby, uh, I want to talk a little bit about your your own armies and your your own painting and modelling. Can be game wise as well, but what, yeah. what I really want to kick the conversation off with, and start with, is uh, your um winning thrown a skulls army from 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 last December. Um. And you, the wonderful Osgullioth display board, which I was very lucky to see in person, which is in the latest White Dwarf. Well, I say latest as we're recording this, depends on when people listen to it, but it's in um, White Dwarf 455. Is that the latest one?
3: Yes, I, I think says, that's right. to uh, the front of the book. Got it right on the over here. Of of um,
1: yeah. How many copies do you have? That's the first No, I'm going Um you must, <laughs> You must be incredibly proud to have it in the White Dwarf.
3: Oh, yeah, it's brilliant. It's just, um, it's an honor seeing it there. And, uh, Firstly, having it in the exhibition and being able to go around um, the exhibition. Um, I think it was was the GT before lockdown started. Yes. Uh, And seeing it there was was great. And, and yeah, it's just something you'd you'd never expect. And, um, yeah, I really appreciate um, being approached by Rob and the team and... And I think they've done a great job with the article, and 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 it's great to see it again. I Haven't seen it for a while, so yeah. <laughs> it's still at Warhammer World. Um,
0: is it? But yeah, like, it was, oh, wow.
3: it, yes, it is. It was in the exhibition, and and then COVID happened. So, uh, yeah. but I don't mind. It's it's great, um, and yeah, I'm just really thankful for, I guess the, yeah, the the opportunity to share it with more people.
1: Oh, and it, the article's beautiful as well. It's not. It's not that you were just in there as a bit of a picture in the in the letters or something. This is a full, a full article showcasing it with loads of kind of mm. nice close-up pictures and a description of how you've done things. And there's a tutorial about how you built the the invasion rafts as well. And it's, it's yeah, it's, it's really really good. It was
3: something I did uh, in October last year in Scotland while well, away making these little rafts. Uh, I just took some and. Um, some Goblin Town scenery away with me and yeah, I just made them. And and I put, I think I posted some photos on the GBHL and Rob Alderman approached me uh, into, into looking into getting them in an article in the future. So, um, and th- I mean, that was, that was great to hear. And then obviously after throwing schools when um, they, they, they wanted to, to, look at the whole board itself so um yeah it's just it's it's just nice that when you put so much effort into something and spend so many hours doing it and just it was like, like it was worth it
1: yeah oh absolutely and definitely hobby yeah. goals being in being in white dwarf so the the yeah. um, the step-by-step pictures on how to build the, the the rafts that are in the white dwarf are they are they your hands and your pictures or did you have to describe them and then they've recreated it in the studio
3: uh, yeah, so I, I I sent them some amateur photos of what basically I did, um, yeah. and they recreated them. They're not my fingers.
1: <laughs> what a shame! You you have got so close to having your fingers in White Dwarf, but just your just your army. Let's. I'll let's... settle for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would, I but it, it's so cool. <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm losing my voice. Um, let's talk about um, let's talk about. Going back then, let's talk about the the process of of, yeah. of building that board. Did you did you base it around selecting the army first? Was it, mm. was it an army already had? Let's take us right right back and kind of describe the processes you went through and things.
3: Well, just just for starters, this is the first display board I've, I've ever made, and um, but I, I I wanted to put as much uh, work into it as I, I put into the miniatures that I've done before or or the bases, uh, and so. And I've always loved the Osgiliath scene. I think it's one of the coolest um, scenes in the in the entire trilogy. Um, just this, it's so iconic. This war torn city um, that's just um, a, a pivotal part of the, the the good versus evil fight, and shows some real heroism. And so my, my my plan, even in the future, is to to do like to be able to do like the farthest ranges on this board as well, and. Um, and to be able to display that army, which I haven't done yet. Um, but I wanted something that's versatile, um, but but cool, and one of my, my favourite scenes. Um, so it started from that point, really, and then from then it's just about, okay, how big do I want to build it? Um, so I'm limited a bit here, because my, my cabinets are only a certain size, um, and actually they are half the size of this the board, so the board comes in two uh, down the middle, I don't know if you can see um there's actually a split in the, oh, yes. yep. the board it comes down the middle and each one of these can go in my cabinet separately and then it sort of fixes onto this bottom plate, so I had my basic size that I wanted to work with and just went from there really I, I wanted to build something that looked really realistic um and how how buildings would collapse and um, there wouldn't just be a ruined building with no rubble around it. I wanted just to, to make something that looked realistic. I guess like, I think even from the, the appendices again, I think one of the quotes was, um, um, it's better to build something um, that's, that's I think complete and then age it down. I didn't quite do that, but I thought about it in terms of that where. These rocks were here, and now they're there. that sort of idea of um, no disappearing rocks or rubble. Yeah, yeah and yeah, it's all about teaching myself new I love teaching myself new things, and including like the resin pouring and, and like the clear resin and the, the different things like that and uh, this was another learning process and working with um, with XPS foam, and this is the first time I've properly worked with SPS foam. So I bought a, a nice um Proxon foam cutter um and then just tested out things and watched loads of videos on how to do stuff and just taught myself hobby really. It's what what I enjoy doing. So it's um the learning part and doing something new.
1: Yeah, absolutely I can see you you've kind of used some of the Oscillia Ruins sets, haven't you? But then Expanded yeah. upon that and basically built extended it by 50% or more using um, XPS foam, which is yeah, are they all individual blocks that you, you've made in order to sort of give it that realistic look and then built the walls, or is it maybe? <laughs> oh, okay, fair <laughs> enough, um, yes.
3: Um, so yeah, it was about using. I mean, the Alt-Glass kit is a, it's a great kit, um, but there's there's so much more you can do with it and um to recreate the same sort of style um and i found the most realistic style was to was to create individual bricks and build it up so that required obviously really planning out the buildings and uh, i think the thing that i wanted to look at with um this the board was to imagine what it was like before it was destroyed yeah, and I touch about this in the article but it's about thinking what was the purpose of this building before it was destroyed what was the purpose of this street and really going into the, the detail and the story of it because um, I think that really helps sell something as a, as a miniature and as a piece is the story behind it so I, I really like that so- side of things
1: Adds the, definitely adds to the realism to. So, did you um, did you spend a lot of time drawing this out beforehand? Um, was it just yeah, sort of definitely. Rough sketches or... um,
3: yes, loads of different sketches. I did. Um, I got a little sketchbook around somewhere about my little designs, but it can be can be from there. Some things it's better to kind of work out as you're going, and uh, I think the first building, I got a basic footprint, and then I just built it up. Um, using parts of the oscar buildings and that's the biggest one um and then just added to it and then thought about its playability um as in like being able to use it in a game so each of the buildings can actually come out of the display board itself and can actually be used uh if i wanted to use them in a game um so i was looking into playability versus um how something looked as well. Um, but, yeah, it was it. I think um, just taking all that into account and uh, yeah, really enjoying the process and not getting too worked up if, yeah, put it down for the day and then carry on another day. <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah it's there's gotta, a few days of that.
1: Yeah, <laughs> well, it's got to be enjoyable, hasn't it? And if it goes to the point where it's it's becoming stressful, then I can understand wanting yeah. to it How did you find the um, the clear resin pouring versus um, the, all the the normal resin pouring you've done? So I've never poured clear resin. Yeah. I wonder. I'm interested to hear what the kind of different experience you had.
3: So anything like this is there was a lot of thought that went into it. Um, anything like the clear resin pouring will always be a load of headaches just to just to get you if you're not used to it. Um, it's just a new process, and it's like a, a do or die process. That if it goes wrong, <laughs> then it, there's yeah. no coming back from it. Um, so that's always going to be nerve wracking. But um, it, I suppose the planning it was from day one of building the board because I knew I wanted water on it on the board. I knew I wanted it to come to a certain point. And it's all about, okay, if I build this up to here, this bit will be submerged and this bit won't be. And I, I knew I wanted the boats on there as well, so I needed two spaces um, to be able to fit these boats in. And um, there's a lot of pre-planning going into something like this. Um, so that that's, that's even before you actually doing the resin pouring. You've you got to think, you've got to literally measure down from the top or from the bottom, um, all around the area, about what's going to be under the water, um, and making sure that is all sealed off, um, and there's no roots that the resin will seek out to leak out. <laughs> I didn't mean to <laughs> run <rhyme> then, but <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah. So um, I, I made a mistake on that, um, but it didn't. It didn't. Wasn't the end of the world, but on this board i've made um underneath it's screwed into the bottom with the two two sides um so i drilled a hole underneath where um i was going to fix um the board to the base um however i shouldn't have done that i should have done that after because oh yes it yeah. wasn't completely sealed off and <laughs> resin did leak out and luckily i caught it before i went to bed <laughs> and managed to sort it out a little bit and just pack a load of plasticine around the base. Yeah. And it was a clean-up after sort of thing. And unfortunately, there were a few air bubbles that appeared in one side of the board a bit more. But it's not really noticeable. Um, you get, and... You're going to get
1: bubbles in water anyway. The exactly. Odd, the odd, the odd this... view that's going to look natural anyway, isn't it? It's obviously, if you had two minutes yeah. different
3: so they were they were entirely planned and <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> if only you'd put um, the little I, I, fish I right by the bubble and then you'd be been... <laughs> yeah but obviously if you've got like a clear front you need to build a a barrier there to stop it yes and the resin coming out so that's all about getting that seal right and um i think i think i used um hot glue gun underneath to make a good seal and that's good because it can it can come off quite easily yeah. um if you get the temperature right um and then plastic sheeting on the front um and once that was ready also if you're doing a big front as well because the resin is going to be quite heavy making sure that it doesn't bulge out so if you're doing your board make yeah. sure that you've got like it it's strong and it's reinforced and it's not going to sort of bulge out in the middle because of the, the weight of the resin. Right. Um, Yeah.
1: I'm definitely going to be tapping up for you for for advice when I, (laughs) when I start to do this. I've actually bought a, we won't go on, we'll talk about it more offline, but I've actually got a round tray that I'm going to be building it into, um, which might help a little bit with some of it, but um, yeah, I'll be, uh, you'll be getting some I was going to
3: say, have you seen those, um, green stuff world, um, and 60 mil base, um, because you wanted to do them for your ends as well. Yeah, You've got like a base um, mold that you can put the base in after you've done all the painting on it. Oh, and then pour resin. so I'll I'll, I'll link them too. I
1: had and I completely forgotten and I very recently taken in a, a delivery of stuff from Green Stuff World so that's a, that was a shame because it's obviously coming from overseas mm-hmm. I picked up some just just to play around with not for this project but some some of the UV resin stuff they've got to play around with Yeah, um, just for smaller puddles and bases so I've been using water effects up till now and that takes a little bit longer to, to dry um, so I thought I'd try that and I've picked up some of this spider serum as well to go for the airbrush so Yeah creates web so if i'd remember that at that point i might have, that would have been perfect actually wouldn't it mm, um, yeah they
3: are good things i haven't used them myself but i've seen other people use them the challenge they, they i'm they gonna good.
1: have is is how to leave the slots where they go in and if i'm going to put them in
3: water so i've got some i think heada- you've I've got to get the right sort of <laughs> size of pvc tubing yeah and uh sort of put it in place yeah until yeah, I think that's going to be. That was the only way I thought of it as well. But it's, yeah, it's going to yeah. be a
1: headache, and maybe not all of them will be completely submerged in water. That might be the way around to take some of that headache away. But we'll we'll have to see how that goes.
0: But well, it looks like a little bit are worth longer. It, if anyway. it looks cool.
1: Yeah, that's. I you mean, know, that'd be the one thing that that, that if we don't have a, a throne of skulls this this December, and I'm, I know I'm not a betting man, but if I was, I'd put money on it you know, not happening. Um, mm. Would be that. I can really spend most of, of the next year doing it and I want to make mm. it a slow long project that I can put away and do an army if I want a bit of a break from it and really take my time over it because I, I rushed my board a little bit last year just so yeah. I decided I want to do one and, and you know did it in a couple of weeks at the end of the day and if I would slowly it do that over the course of the year it would, I could have a lot of the, the corners I cut wouldn't have need to have been cut but anyway we're not here to talk about, talk about yeah. me for that um, well, about, well, you know, I can we-
3: definitely relate to that though because like with my, with my board I, I, there was things that I I wanted to do extra onto it uh, before throwing skulls, and actually in the magazine there are additional like wooden panels uh-huh. that are made after throwing skulls, so I could just um, add the extra little bits of detail to it. So if you notice, like boards with that stop people from being shot on one oh, of the buildings. Yes, I'm looking at now. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, I, I, I've I... added that since uh. since the tournament, and uh, there was a few other little things, but. It was a it was a detriment to my army because there were some things I didn't quite finish on my army, um, <laughs> but I wanted to make sure the board was my display piece and yeah um, yeah so but I, I, like the whole process as Damien said the other week, um, we just it was so encouraging like messaging him and the whole process like from start to finish just sending each other pictures and and sort of encouraging each other on that because that's what it's about at the end of the day is just like encouraging one another and just learning together and, and just
1: producing something yeah. really cool, which we, it's we, community. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Did you, I mean, you talked about your army a little bit there. Did you, did you paint your army up fully to go with this? Was it to
3: match an existing army you already had or a bit of both? Mm. Or, so uh, I think last year was a year of me using basically the army of Gothmog. Um, I, I just loved it when that legendary legion came out and it's, it's such a brutal army. And um, so um, I already had a few of the um, models painted and I actually with a few of the armies, a few of the models I already um, had painted. I won um, a best army in Stockport early in that year. Um, so it was kind of an extension of that um, for Various goals, if that makes sense,
1: yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely. Um, yeah, because of
3: like with obviously a certain amount of time, um, I just added stuff, or um, yeah, and and my board was my main focus for the tournament, really.
1: Yes, and uh, you should be, I mean, I I wouldn't say it was a hundred percent, but I think if you're if you're you're looking at maybe placing in the throne of skulls with the best armor, you probably need a board to be to be noticed, I'd oh, say. Yeah. I it's got to that point now where
3: it Uncle uh, resin. Yes, <laughs>
1: clear resin. Yeah, Damon and I were talking a little bit about that. as well oh, Brilliant. <laughs> but um, and, that, and that's not why I'm adding clear resin to my 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 next plan board. Um, it's no. part of, it's because it's needed as part of the theme, which is exactly why you you, you, you did it on this one because it's needed for the theme. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That <laughs> no, sounds amazing. Um, did you pick your theme so you could have? No, i joking. Um, let's talk about other armies and things then. So I. I I mean, I've I've not. I only met you the once on on the uh, on, on Throne of Skulls, and uh, and I've not been on the scene for long, so I've not met you at other events and things. Let's talk about some of your other armies. What do you? What armies do you have? What do you like playing? Or have you got anything kind of planned for the future that you're working on that you can share? Of course.
3: Yeah. Um. So, it's it's one of those things. I've got a bit of everything, really. Um. But I've got quite a large Mordor force. Um. And. I guess me and my brother built up quite a bit of a collection when we were younger collecting. However, I would not take any of those models to any tournament, any time, <laughs> um, because they just, yeah. <laughs> so the bad, standard think, that you've either. grown to, is that the... Exactly, exactly, yeah. And so um, up to a point, um, when I went to my first tournament, it's... Um, at Stockport that was almost like a restart for me um, in terms of the armies that I had. So I actually don't have that many completed armies I've got a lot of started armies and and this and that I think as I've done a lot of time in, in generation shift stuff um, it's sort of I haven't been able to do as much on the personal hobby side of things but um, I've enjoyed sculpting stuff and I just need to paint what I've sculpted or, or converted um, but yeah it's I've got a bit of everything um I've got an entire easterling army ready to paint i've got oof, some Harrod ready to paint I, you name it I've got some of it ready to paint <laughs> um but at the moment i am I'm, I'm working on some rohan um mm-hmm. and some rohan foot soldiers that i I put up a photo the other day i thought yesterday um which I do want to do like a little, um, a little new board for. Um, I've completely forgotten. For Edoras, there we go. Yes. I was going to say Erebor, but um, yeah, I want to make like the the main gates of e- e- Edoras, oh, wow. and you, using yeah, I've seen Lockie's amazing board and stuff like that, but I want to try using the the new plastic kits mm-hmm. and seeing how much I can use those. Um, to make a really realistic address gate and some some stuff behind. So that's that's what's on my my plan to do at the moment. Oh, I can't wait to see that. Um, You'll do it in no doubt. Yeah, do a it's, fantastic
1: job of it. Those kits are amazing. Having they are having built. I built uh, a, a, the, one of the big boxes um, mm. for for the, for the for the event. I'm not running this year until next year now. Um, but um, yeah, they're they're really really great and really versatile. And, and while I didn't play around with them too much. Because I wanted to get as much out of the box as possible, they are amazing.
0: Mm. Yeah,
3: I've got I've built three houses so far, and and they are fantastic kits. Uh, and I wasn't actually, I didn't actually manage to pick up a, a stronghold kit, but mm. um, I've, I've got enough spare that I think I'll be able to build metal-celled, not metal-celled, um the Eadwass Gates. Yeah, so I'm I'm looking forward to doing that. The only other thing that I'm working on at the moment is the Grey Company, okay, um, yeah. with um, yeah every model individual. I think I've got about 22. Um, I haven't got the 30 yet. I might do that eventually because. But um, you've got to 22 yeah.
1: now. You can't stop there, can you? <laughs> you can I know <laughs> you've got got to yourself to a point where you're going to have to do. I've seen some of these. You've shared these, haven't you? Or a couple? Yeah, of them. yeah.
3: I think uh, that's. I think the Halbride is one of the one of my favorite conversions I've ever done, yeah, um, yeah. with the banner mm. um, so yeah, that was so much fun, and that's like I said earlier that just so many layers and just building up slowly but that's that's been a really rewarding conversion, but it's sometimes you get to the point when you've done so much work on a model like that, you're scared to put paint on, <laughs> and I know I can paint but you're still scared to put paint on because you don't want to ruin it.
1: No, I can understand. You are a very, very good painter, so you have no concerns whatsoever. Um, I think Dan and I can think of someone from the Heresy scene that that does an awful lot of uh, very, very cool kit bashes and conversions and, and and sculpting, and um, they can paint quite well as well, but they don't always mm. get paint on their stuff. So I think you definitely get more paint on than they do, but I can understand. <laughs> I can understand the reticence of, mm. um, of of wanting to put paint on your. I think I
3: prefer the sculpting side of the hobby to the painting. I think that's what it is, though, uh, which is dangerous because then you never finish your project. So I'm I'm kind of really (laughs) knuckling into trying to do the painting side more, Um, but with what time I've got.
1: And what attracts you to a new project? Is it is it kind of law based things rather than a kind of an army list? Um, Is that the approach you take, or
0: yeah,
3: um, a more hobbyist side of things and. um, and narrative, than, um than competitive gamer. Yeah. I think I got I got the bug a little bit for it last year when I went to the, the two tournaments for the game inside. But um, but yeah, always would be what's cool. What's 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 something that me and my brother remember from a, our childhood really liking about Lord of the Rings or something like that. And yeah, exploring that sort of side yeah. of things.
1: That doesn't surprise me, but I didn't want to assume. You never know you might have been. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh,
3: a filthy gamer. A
1: filthy gamer. Uh, well, you played a game on stream, didn't you? Um, didn't you, you did you play a game yeah, on stream? Yeah. I'm uh, sure.
3: Yeah. You definitely handled Yeah, you. it was good. Yeah, I've done two on stream, I think. The first year I did uh, my Heroes of Helm's Deep Mounted. Yep. Uh, and that was a really fun game. I played against <laughs> Jacob Mundin uh, with his Isengard. Um but yeah, that, that was a that was a great army that I, I didn't manage to finish painting but I, I thoroughly enjoyed sculpting them. And I think I think Aragorn Mount is probably another one of my favourite conversions. Ah. Uh in the Helms Deep Army armour.
1: Oh right, yeah. I think I must have seen that somewhere, but I can't picture it off the top of my head, I'll have to go search that yeah. Out. I, so, got I mean somewhere.
3: that was the throne scores from the year before. Um and then obviously the the recent army of goth so yeah but it's it's great to be on streams like that and and to meet new people and to people are always great at these events yeah yeah that doesn't surprise me at all
1: i think i, I think i said when i when we when we did the show last year that that, that throne of skulls was one of right up there one of my best mm. um event experiences across all systems i've done really just just the atmosphere was fantastic and everyone's super nice and super friendly i know that gets said a lot doesn't it by all systems mm. um because it's generally true gamers are generally really nice people it's when they get online they can sometimes get a little bit angsty with each other but um yeah i, I, I still put it up there as was one of the best atmospheres and uh most sort of welcoming yeah. it's very really cool so it's not surprising here to you say that either mm, yeah.
3: yeah it's really good
1: right then so as we're coming to a, a, a close now um we um well you were you, uh, very kindly um have offered to do a bit of a competition um with us so would you like to sort of talk us through if you can remember what we talked about beforehand, you want yeah. to talk us through what we what, or how we're going to run the competition and what they can Yeah, to. awesome. Yeah.
3: Um so I'm going to give a uh, a giveaway prize of uh, I think it's about 500 points worth of uh an army um of the generation Shift bases. But the competition is we'd like you guys to um post a picture on um out of the frying pan um page um of a cool scenic base like for a hero with a hero on or like just be creative sculpt something cool or make something cool uh, and yeah go to town on that and um I think that'll be really good if you share that to the page and we we'll, we'll go through and um we'll I think we we decided we'd do it at random didn't we
1: Yeah we didn't want um, yeah. we don't want anyone to feel that uh, they are either not good enough or they think we well if I do one it won't be as good and we'll just pick the best yeah. um so we thought we'd just want to get people creating and being creative and then mm. uh, all the people that enter um can uh, can then you know be put into a hat for us to uh for us to pull out but we'll you know it'd be nice just nice to see stuff going up it's probably best exactly um, yeah probably best joining you know joining our group and posting it in the group rather than on the page because i think when you share to a page it goes on visitors posts and it's not doesn't always you don't always get a notification so there's a danger that someone mm. would have um do it and we wouldn't see it so it'll be joining our our group but if you can obviously head over and if you haven't checked checked out matt's um page um generation shift page you go over there and make sure you give that like as as well and so you can see all these updates and things um
3: yeah. we just um, want to get you guys to be creative and 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 experience something that i've really enjoyed to do in making these bases just come up with something cool make a scenic base and it also works well with the the hobby hobby bingo doesn't it i think was that yes. last year that was, that was oh, it was there's make a scenic base i
1: can can i see it from it's whether it's basing a whole army whether i think last time it was make scenic bases for an army rather than um, create cool scenic bases for one of your armies so um,
0: well
3: let 's just do one single miniature, but, yes. <laughs> yeah. um,
1: but yeah, yeah. So, so a single miniature to completion with a, a scenic base that you you 've made yourself. Heroes would be cool, but I suppose you know it could be a, um, a battle company's character or something like that if you really wanted, but something a little bit more more characterful um, and, and then... what
3: i 'd do as well is i'd i 'd make it in the similar style as uh, one of the ranges I make. Because if you if you get that and you win, then you can have the rest of your army based in a similar style that you've made. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely.
1: I think we, we also said we can... We, we, for those of you that, that, that aren't on Facebook, because there are a few people that aren't, um, by all means you can... Um, um, use one of the other forms of social media because obviously uh, Out of the Frying pan has a Twitter, a few people on Twitter with it and Instagram as well. We've got a fair few followers in there. Um, so if you only use one of those and you want to put your entry in there, um, just just tag us in and then let us know that it's an mm. entry um, and, um, and by all means tag um, you tag your page in when they put the entry in um, on yeah, in the group yeah. as well. That's a good way of making sure that, that Matt gets to see them um, as well as us. Um, but yeah, we'll help you at the end of the day. We're not going to, it's not going to be a full range of terms and conditions on there. But we just want to see as many intri- entries as possible. Yeah. What shall our closing date be then? We have we. No, this is well planned. We didn't decide. That, we didn't decide that at all. So this show, um, we're recording this a little bit further ahead when the show will go out. So I think this show will be out around the middle of September um so do we want to give people to sort of middle of october a month or so to do it is that sound too far ahead or is that sound about right
3: sounds sounds good to me should
1: we have a closing date of sunday the 18th of october how does that sound sounds good to me cool right then um (laughs) So before we let you go um do you want to just sort of give people a rundown of where they can uh, find you follow you all your your, in your pages your uh, your your contacts etc
3: Yeah great um yeah so um if you go over to my generation shift 92 page on Facebook that's where I do all my my business side of things and and interact with you guys and uh, sort out any orders um and I do have a, a hobby hub where I put loads of my uh, personal hobby stuff um, called Generation Shift Hobby Hub. I did used to do a, a YouTube page and there's still videos on there, um, but um, there's not been anything for a while. But I just want to say big thanks to anyone who's um, currently um, a, a current customer or a supporter of what I do. I do really appreciate it and um, it, it does mean a lot to me. And uh and, yeah, it's great to see what you guys do with the bases at the end of the day. I love seeing what people do and uh, the armies and when I go to tournaments, seeing them, it's it's great. So I just want to raise a big thank you to you guys for that. Oh,
1: fantastic. And is there anything else you'd like to um, shout out or say before we, before we let you
3: go? Hmm. I think I'm good. Think and good. just thanks thanks to you guys for for doing this podcast, and I appreciate you getting me on. It's been a really good time.
1: Oh, thank you for coming on. It's I think you've given yeah, up absolutely. a couple of hours of your time. It's been really, really nice to have a good chat with you, and I will definitely be... Uh, badgering you as i uh go through the process of of, of that board because a lot of the things that you've done for your board um mm. will be very helpful More and happy to yeah, very helpful because i've got a i've done bits like that before but not to the kind of the the standard of finish i want to more of a gaming standard of finish on that on terrain and things mm. so i want to i'll definitely be tapping you up for, for some more i guess
3: days. i guess what what i say to that is that just i i'd never made a board before like that and just and um, just enjoy the process, and 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 yeah, I'm happy to help anytime you want. Uh, and just just take your time with it because it's fun. And um, I managed to create a really cool board in the end, just and um, not having done anything like that before. So just enjoy it. Oh, I, I fully intend to, and thank and thank you. So
1: thank you very much. And what we're going to do now, we're going to head out for a little break, and we'll be back with another heroic death match. <laughs> Welcome to yet another heroic death match. So, this is the final part of our mini, um, mini narrative series, and I don't know if anyone guessed right or not. Um, we're recording this before we've recorded the first part of the show, so some of you may have called in and and, um, and uh, guessed correctly, but if you haven't, Dan, who's today's matchup?
2: So, in order to finish off our little trio of linked narrative death matches. We have Grishnak versus Merry and Pippin.
1: We certainly do. So this is the, uh, after Aoma and his horsey boys have arrived to slaughter the, uh, the Uruks, um, Merry and Pippin um, sever their bonds and uh, escape into the uh, edges of Fangorn Forest, only to be followed by Grishnak, who's uh, still after some tasty uh, hobbit flesh. So... Um, Dan, who are you going to be be running for this one? The the listeners will probably know based on you going for the underdogs, but we'll let you in. they
2: don't become much more of an underdog than a hobbit, really, do you? So (laughs) it had to be the hobbits. And plus I get two, so that gives me twice the chance to actually make an impact. (laughs) Uh, So I have uh, Mariah Brandybuck and Peregrine Took. Both ten points, both hobbits, both infantries, and both minor heroes. So they've both got daggers. Uh, We could give them elven cloaks, not that it matters in this particular instance. Um, So we've got Often called Merry, this hobbit is is a known troublemaker and practical joker. More than once he has been responsible for setting off Gandalf's fireworks, much to the annoyance of the Grey Wizard. However, Merry is ready to help Frodo in his quest and sets out from the Shire into a life of adventure and discovery that will change him forever. And Peregrine, or Pippin, to those who know him, is a carefree hobbit who is content with his life of mischief amongst his best friend Merry but when Pippin volunteers himself as part of the Fellowship of the Ring, his little idea of the perils that lie ahead and the fact that he will have to leave second breakfast behind in the Shire so they're both resistant to magic uh, they can both throw stones up to 8 inches at strength 1 so Merry has it for the Shire uh, whilst within 3 inches of Boromir of Gondor, Merry may spend Boromir's might points if they were his own and Peregrine also has the same obviously not relevant to this but potentially quite useful in other instances.
1: Yeah, useful in a fix I imagine.
2: Yes, yeah, so I can't imagine it being game breaking but it might stop you killing one of them. so yeah yeah that, that could be quite useful. Um, so in terms of their stats we've they're both movement four they're both fight three three plus, both strength two, both defense of three, both have one attack both have one wound and both have courage of four. Neither have might or will, but they both have a point of fate each. So they're not particularly combat monsters.
1: <laughs> no, this is why 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 you're running both of them. Um, <laughs> so. um and we'll go over how we're going to run this in a moment, but I'll, I'll run you through, run the listeners through Grishnak. So Grishnak is an Orc captain at 50 points. He's, he's got the Orc Mordor and infantry keywords. He's a hero of fortitude. Grishnak leads the Orcs sent from Minas Morgul to Isengard to keep an eye on Saruman's progress. A ruthless Orc, Grishnak has honed his skills over the years in combat and in the raiding of nearby settlements. This has left him in a position of relative power within the Orcish ranks. Following the slaughter of the Orcs and Urukai at the hands of as Ered, Krishnak pursued Merry and Pippin into Fangorn, only to receive a welcome befitting to a trespassing Orc. Right. Um. Let's let's go over his stats. So he has a move of six. His fight is four five. Strength four. Defense five. Two attacks. Two wounds. Courage three. Three might. One will. One fate. He has an armour and sword. You can take a shield as an option. He has strike. Um, he has a backstab, a special rule, which again won't be useful in, in this um, scenario, but uh, basically gives him plus one to wound against trapped models, which is quite cool actually. Um, so we're going to run this slightly differently to normal because even with both Merry and Pippin, things are still looking a little bit bleak for them. Um, they effectively, you kind of treat them as one one thing. Um it does mean there's two there are two wounds, two attacks, so you'll be roll, at least be rolling the same amount of dice as me. Um, but with no might and only one fate, um your you know, things could be could be quite tricky for you, especially with Grishnak having strikes. So what we've decided to do is the following is that um before we fight our first round of combat, both of the hobbits get to throw stones um so dan will have one round of throwing stones before we go into the first round of the main combat and then if grishnak hasn't dispatched both mary and pippin within six rounds he gets squished by treebeard we're just going to say that treebeard's foot comes down and kills him. we put a little time limit on it it may well happen before that but it kind of gives a a, a way of reproducing the the narrative a little bit from the from the film so dan are you ready to go
2: I oh, I think I'm as ready as I'm ever going to be.
1: Do <laughs> would you like to throw your stones at Grushnak?
2: Yeah, I think I'm gonna attempt that. So I'm hitting on threes. So I've hit with one of the hobbits. Uh-huh. So that's not necessarily the most auspicious of starts. It's not too but bad. Then, uh, no, but unfortunately we are now at strength one, so you need a your defence of five, so I'm gonna need a flat six.
1: Can you do it.
2: Oh it's a six.
1: It is a six, so I'm gonna use Grushnak's one fate and see if he can fate it, and he can't. So he has suffered a wound.
0: <laughs> so this is good. What?
1: This is good, right? Then. So that kind of kind of thing, makes things a little bit tricky, especially now as you've, you've whipped off the fate as well. Um, so first round of the combat, I am going to strike.
0: <laughs> of course you are. <laughs>
1: um, yeah. Well, only roll a one, but uh, needless to say, I'm going to be high fight anyway. That was a ridiculous thing to do because you don't have strike. Well, that was silly, wasn't it? Oh well. <laughs>
2: Right. right. Four high. I
1: have a six. I have a of six.
2: Have. Of course you have. I have.
1: <laughs> right. I can't believe it. I'm still annoyed at myself for being silly and just throwing away a might for no reason at all. Right then. So, um, who, should we, who should we pick? Let's just gonna try Noble Pippin first because he's more annoying. Um, I need fours and I haven't at the moment. So I use another might. Yes, I will use another might and make one wound. These on Pippin.
2: Come on, you four plus. Yeah on a He's six! Done it. Oh they're finally coming out for me. Finally! <laughs> so See Pippin he... has lost his point of fate, but he does live to well die potentially next.
1: And that was round one, so we've done one. <laughs> it was. Okay, and we're on to round two. Um I won't be wasting another. Point of might my, my final point of might by striking up like a fool thinking you had strike because we always do it with strike right here we go oh, well. number as well
2: but you've got the higher
1: fight, so, on higher fight. so here we go let's see if i can roll some fours oh, i can't see past my own camera i have rolled a four
0: and oh, so
1: pippin, so pippin is going it. to snuff it all right poor
2: pippin
0: okay
2: all right um, one dice to two now come on mary uh yeah you've shocked him into fright i think
1: yeah, right. <laughs> I've, rolled one. I've rolled a five and a three so can we dispatch mary Ooh, two wounds so even with your There's
2: fate nothing i can do about that he is cleaved down even with his point of fate
1: oh i thought <laughs> that might happen then for a moment with me, waste, yeah. me wasting uh wasting a mite ridiculously and then uh, i thought that was going to come back to haunt me um and you plinking off that wound with the stone i thought oh, this is going to be it's going to be interesting um
2: but lives safe in the lodge though that he doesn't get squashed he doesn't get to enjoy his meal
1: <laughs> well we'll say that he's maybe just knocked them both on the head and um, he thinks he's back to eat them and, and uh, gets killed we can't have the hobbits die would just be horrendous um good bit of fun um we, um, and
2: it keeps up my completely undisputed run of losses.
1: <laughs> you have one. You did one. I can't remember them all. The ones we've done, now you've. you've definitely I don't won think I won one yet. Oh, you have. I saw
2: postcard. If anyone remembers me winning one, you have. I don't remember winning one.
1: Have I recorded all the results? I think I recorded all the results. Let me go to our Google Docs and see if we can remember. I mean, while I'm opening that, that one, I think it went as as expected. He should go that way. I think adding the time limit and and gave. Gave you a chance, I suppose. Um, again, it's the it's the might there that's it's huge. You are not having any might at all, it gives you so much, yeah, it's so it is much a bit utility. Of a handicap I, that one, is not it? Absolutely, and I wasted one then as well. I was only one left. If, if I didn't mess up and waste that one, I would have been fairly comfortable. I think. So I think the might is it's quite no, quite big. You have won every single one. No, surely not. No, so I've just
2: opened it so up. It was, you have won
1: every single one. I haven't filled <laughs> in the answers on all of them actually. So. Um, so, Bolg, Legolas was Bolg. Yeah, you were leggy. Lertz Aragorn. You did win one. I know you did. Lertz Aragorn. Was Golf I Aragorn? I won
2: against Bull Rora. I had Bull Rora. Oh, okay. Shagrat and Gorbag. We know how that ended. And you won that one.
1: Um, I, I
2: can't remember was Gandalf got one, squished by the Goblin King, which I did, wasn't Who won out
1: of Shagrat and Gorbag? I can't remember. I can't remember who I was. Honestly, I can't remember remember winning.
2: I can't remember. <laughs> oh who no, was. I played as the orc. You had the you had the orc, and you won. Really? Okay. Yeah.
1: Um, Gandalf, Goldman king. Yeah, that was. That didn't expected. go the way of
2: uh, Gandalf, unfortunately, on that one.
1: Uh, okay, I think I'm sure you won one of them. I'm sure you won the Shagrad Gobain one.
2: No, I played as um, played as the orc. Oh well. Do you feel bad? yet? I a little bit, a little bit.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and we're not trying to design it that way, but um, we're also not trying to make it competitive either. but It's turned out to be quite a funny thing. I, and you just can't win in, on any of them.
2: <laughs> in fairness, I'm always given the option who I wish to take, but I find it more fun to play as the underdog. I'd rather have fun than win. To yeah, be honest, people think, think that I'm, that I'm just that bullying you into taking these weaker
1: characters it. every time. I'm glad. I'm glad you've uh, you are honest and tell people that that I do give you the choice every time. <laughs>
2: That's all right. When it comes around for Dane, I'm taking Dane and then he'll smash something up. So it'll be all right.
1: Yes. Yes. We'll I'm run sure.
2: Dane and Franville at some point and you I mean, can be the girly elf.
1: Some of them we've gone to with characters we we own or recently painted or something, haven't we as well? So there's been a little bit of that to it. Um, so yeah, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe, maybe in the future, there'll be more of a closer matchup or something. And, uh, it's fun. I enjoy doing it. Hopefully people enjoy listening to it and, um, yeah, get in touch with your, your matchups and, uh, we'll, we'll do them if they work out for us. I uh, hope everyone enjoyed the interview with Matt. We had loads of fun recording it. Really, really awesome bloke to chat to. Um, yeah, lots, lots of fun. And i listening back to it as i edited it because it's been it's been a while since uh, since we recorded it i will say a while just over a week or so ago but we've been doing a lot of podcasting recently so we're here to close the show out thank you again for making it to the end um and dan who would you or would you like to give anyone a shout out before we before we go
2: uh well normally i would uh, pimp the legion of peterborough uh, which i'll still do um we have uh, an online facebook group Um, so look us up, uh, The Legion of Peace for Wargamers as it stands I have no idea what's going on in terms of attendance to the club Um, you're best off hitting up Facebook if you'd like to uh, come along at some point, whether that's uh, soon or maybe later I don't know, but either way, uh, feel free to join us on uh, Facebook, post up your cool hobby stuff, Uh, it'd be good to get some more Middle Earth in there, so yeah, please do join us
1: well, yeah, you will be. You will be up and running again there at some point, even if it's not to the new year. So you'll definitely be. Looking. I, I imagine the challenges for a club like yours, where you hire out in a hall, that the if you stick to like a maximum amount of six people or something, then that might not be enough people to cover the the, the minimum number you need to cover the cost of the hall or something horrible like that. So uh, uh, six is the up. minimum. All <laughs> oh, right, so, cover it. So you,
2: but I don't know. Um... I don't honestly know at this stage. Uh, uh, Alex, who's in charge of that kind of thing, I'd imagine he will put something up. So, anyone who's interested, you are more than welcome to have a little look on our Facebook group. And if you fancy coming down, if it's running, please do so.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Right then. So, what have I got to say? I've made some. I added some notes in the other day. There's some. There's some new podcasts. I've just listened to the latest um, EMU actually. And Harry shouted out these as well. Um, but I'm still going to go ahead and do it. So there's a new podcast from Australia called An Unexpected Party. Um, when that popped up, that confused me a little bit, um, because I already listened to something called An Unexpected Podcast. And then I realised there's two unexpected podcasts, because when I went and searched it, a second one popped up. So so there's a new one called The Unexpected Party from the, from, from Australia. Um, I forgot all the guys' names so apologies but one of the guys has been on um, Green Dragon a few times so that's go check that out it's on SoundCloud I'm not sure if they are in iTunes yet they hadn't hit when I searched them then there's the Unexpected Podcast um, which is a port over from YouTube which I knew existed on YouTube but I didn't know it was in iTunes until I'd searched um, and that is um, Devin Moreno and a couple of other guys that sort of talk. it's very heavily tactics based so um, I'm looking forward to sort of of dipping into those, and they are available. Um, I think it's the DCHL YouTube channel stuff. So there'll be people will be very familiar with them. Um, and then there's also something called an unexpected podcast, um, up talking Dolkin, and that's a discussion one. And that's something I've subscribed to and listened to for years. It's actually uh, it's a read through of the books, and they're like 89 episodes in. So I was very confused when they popped up. So one's called an unexpected party. That's someone one from from Australia. Um, and there's two called an unexpected podcast. One's uh, one's only got four episodes, and that's your SPG based one from Devon Moreno and and some other guys that, that the community will know um, so it's the GCHL uh, um, for guys from America and then there's an unexpected podcast Up Talking Tolkien which is a uh, Lord of the Rings read through and follow along of the books which if you like that kind of stuff give them a check out and they're good as well
2: there's also another one you actually oh, they God. posted a, a, a chat in uh, GVHL this evening uh, oh. the Into the West podcast yeah. uh, Canadian chaps I do believe uh, so I'm going to give that a go over this week at some point and see what they're like
1: Wow! So this is this is this is suddenly taken off, isn't there? So when when uh, there are others that are only on, I think there's a few that are only on YouTube as well. So I always say that there's only a few audio podcasts out there. But I know there's the East Angler guys that do audio shows, but just on YouTube as well. So from not being many podcasts for a long, long time, it seems like there's there's quite a few out. Out there now, and there's all these other you know YouTube channels bringing up that are very active at the moment. So it's going to get to the point there'll be too many to listen to, which will be interesting. I've been, I've been for, for years only having sort of the for years only having Green Dragon in my 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 Apple podcast folder. And then Harry came along, and then then we did ours. And now suddenly there's lots of Middle Earth ones, and it'll get to the point where I have more podcasts than hours in the day. Um, so but, um, it's a happy problem. It is a happy problem, but I want to listen to them all. I like listening. I like supporting the community and listening to all of the different flavours of um SPG chatter, but uh, it might get to the stage where I can't. But uh, um yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to, to listen to a few of these new ones. Um and then I've put another one in there and I'm even forgetting on a did it. That's yeah, there is another one. There is another one. I'm looking at my notes and realising that's not what you've you've mentioned. Um there's there and back again a hobbyist tale and that's East Coast US as well. And that's another SPG podcast, people. <laughs> and I think that that one's on Apple. So when generally when they're on Apple, they're, um, they've hit all the kind of the full, you know, gone past the hosts like um, SoundCloud, et cetera. So there are, there are a lot out there with, you know, you've got Duran show and uh, I'm going to forget them if I start to list them all now. So we might be getting into double figures soon of kind of audio aimed shows. It should be crazy, wouldn't it? we think we've only stopped we're not even hit a year yet the year in december and we were sort of number three that was available on apple podcast put it that way i know as i said i know the east angler guys did an audio show as well on youtube and things but um yeah it's it's all happening the games the games in a very 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 good place the the number of podcasts out definitely is a good indication of that um but how easy it is to do a podcast (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> 't anyone. Um, it's definitely quicker to edit. I, I will get another youtuber video again soon. Uh, we might as well say what we're, what we're planning for the for the book actually before we go. Very briefly, um, so I will be pre-ordering the book. We don't know, you know, that may arrive on on the release day on the Saturday. You know, if I'm around to collect it, it could be could not arrive till the Monday or so. I know that we're going to try as soon as possible to record, aren't we, and do a review of the book. It will be first of all, we'll start with an overview, a bit like we did for the Best of White Dwarf book, um, um, and this one we are going to spend a bit more time going into a bit more detail on separate shows aren't we but probably looking at some of the narrative stuff and, and taking you guys on the on the journey as we play them and look at some of the narrative scenarios so we may well we will dip dip into the book a bit more um but we will do an, an initial overview review show um and i will do or endeavor to do what i did with the um best of white dwarf as well and do a very short unboxing rather than review um, obviously unboxing a book seems a strange thing to do but it'll be like a short video under 10 minutes when I just kind of flick through the book give my first impressions as I kind of open it and, 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 and flick through um, but the, the detailed chat will be, be me, Dan and, 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 and Sam maybe, I'm not quite sure what his availability is but just be, definitely be us two doing a, a full chat on, uh, on what we think of the book um, which one will be out first I don't know it really depends on time and when we can get together but I imagine we'll end up with another show out fairly quickly after this one so you may only have to wait a week or so or even less from hearing this um, because of the book um, but looking forward to it really, really excited but before then um, please do head over to our, our social media the usual shout out so um, head over to our Facebook page and give us a like if you would be so kind and um, if you search out of the frying pan podcast on YouTube you will, or YouTube or on Facebook, you'll find us and um, join a Facebook group um, growing all the time. Nice friendly chatter in there. You can follow us on Instagram at OOTFP podcast and on Twitter at OOTFP. You can email us directly at OOTFP podcast at gmail.com. And please do check out our YouTube channel. There's a link in the show notes. In fact, the link for all of these is in the show notes. Um, Check out the YouTube channel as well. I've got a few videos up there, and I've got a few planned soon. It's just a time thing. So the book one will be soon. I know someone asked me to do a bit of a flick through of the original three best of white Dwarves like a like I did for the, for the for the new one, because um, they were interested in what was in them. So at some point I may do that because that should be a fairly easy re, easy video to record. Um, and now I'm not doing a a uh, of Skulls Army this year. I might start building Smaug and I did say I'd start to document that. As as well as doing a working with resin, um, the tools you need and, and that kind of thing. So there's a few little short videos on my, I've got planned. I just need time to record them. But enjoy the show. Thank you for listening again and we'll catch you soon. <laughs>